gentlemen, do you remember back the long, long ago, around, say, 2011, 2012, where there was this famous meme of Cinderella's fairy godmother just around saying, and at midnight, Halloween will end, and then bam, Christmas carols everywhere. Well, while some, while some stores have uh, controlled themselves, but every year it just keeps getting closer and closer. And right at the stroke of midnight, November 1st, you start to hear some... Oh, God. She's here. Mariah? Oh, no. Get away. Get away, Mariah. I ben, said no. It's not ben. time yet. It's November. Turn it off. We only get 30 seconds before we get copyright stricken. It was 15 seconds. I stopped. Mariah, welcome back. But yeah, it's November 6th. It is uh, Halloween time is over. Spooky time is unfortunately done. And literally at the stroke of midnight, Christmas music invaded our, the airwaves. And I'm not ready for it. But we're not talking about Christmas music. We're not talking about Mariah Carey. We are actually talking about Willow here on episode 304 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Ben Magnet, of course, joined by Brandon T. McClure. Yep, I'm here too. Uh, the Queen of England, Ryan Eliopoulos. It's me, I'm a brownie. And Sparks Witty. I'm here also. You are. <laughs> boy, it's gonna be a fun episode. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah, I I'm I'm sick. And so if I if I don't have something to say, I'm just gonna be quiet. That's so fair. you know, that's that's just the way this one's gonna go. I there's not a lot of there's not a lot of news uh, in this week. Truthfully, I think we're probably going to have a shorter episode than normal, but last time I said that, we probably had a longer episode than normal, so I shouldn't have no, jinxed not, that. Not this week. I will say that I, if you had told me back at like episode 30, that episode 304, we would be talking about the movie Willow, Yeah, I would have been like, why? <laughs> I would have just never anticipated why. <laughs> well, because we didn't know what show was coming out. That's how it works, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it's definitely we are one of those doing things. this at the end of the month. We are doing this because at the end of the month there is a Willow TV series coming. Yeah, and we can't we can't talk about it next week because there's kind of a movie coming out next week that we're going to talk about. A very important movie that we're that, that's coming out next week, if I do say so myself. That's oh, okay. Oh, you've seen not, it? Not that important. Let's be fair. It's just the sequel to Black Panther. Yeah, just the sequel to one of the biggest Marvel films ever freaking made. <laughs> All right, we have links in the description though. Not many. Not many. This is not a big week for us. Um, let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my thing real quick because most of these personal links. There were no Fickner's watches, no basement arcades. <clears throat> you, get a, you get a little bit of a break from those. Um, I had a couple of articles that Screen Rant put up. Um, I had a, a Dragon Ball retcon list that I fumbled my way through, but I had fun writing it because I like Dragon Ball and I like writing about Dragon Ball. Uh, that's up there. You can check that out. But I really want you guys to check out my. Article on Atomic Geekdom, where I talk about basically what we talked about last week. DC's uh, quote-unquote Kevin Feige's Peter Safran and James Gunn took over DC Studios. Um, I wrote a two-and-a-half, three-page uh, article on that. Um, really happy with how that turned out. I liked, I liked writing it a lot. As um, it should be. It turned out great. Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, I uh, I want you guys to check that out. That's linked below. If you if, if people watching this, people listening to this, want to just read, read more of my thoughts on that, that's there um please do uh and i also put up my 30th num no number 30 not my 30th it's my 20th <coughs> number 30 of my infinity saga uh series um they're gonna slow down a little bit 
even more so than they than they have been because just the holidays are coming up and things are crazy. Anyway, but this one was about one of my favorite, one of our favorite MCU films, Ant Man. Um, I talked about Michael Douglas, um, kind of the the importance of what I think was the importance of casting Michael Douglas as Hank Pym and Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, and kind of what that meant for that franchise and what that meant for where the MCU could go forward with that kind of that legacy aspect that they introduced that hadn't really been present prior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's there. If you guys want to check that out, it's actually, I, you know what? It's my favorite uh, that I've written so far. Um, it's my favorite of the infinite saga pieces. I don't mind saying that. I don't mind playing favorites. It's my series. Um, that's there. You can check that out. Um, and Ben. Yeah. Now, lastly, the last link in the description is Ben's third episode mm-hmm. of DN dark. Yep, episode three of uh, Dean Dark is up. This one, we're, it's a bit of a two-parter because when, uh, I don't want to spoil what the, happens in the episode, but because when we record these, we record these in one big session and our dungeon master, Dan, he goes in and he cuts them up into like smaller chunks because we, when we record these, they're about like three, four hours, three or four hour tabletop sessions. Um, but yeah, this is our first very large very big dungeon that our party is going through and i'm excited to what happens afterwards you're good you guys you guys should enjoy it hell yeah all right okay i haven't yeah. i haven't listened to this one yet but uh um, i'm eager yeah i rolled there's one part where i rolled a nat 20 with advantage and <laughs> it i when i was re-listening to it on my drive home from work it was i just was laughing my ass off it's like oh my god i actually did say that and dan and grayson they go in and edit it and they add more things on top of it and just makes it all the more better for it Love yeah it. i really like um how dan edits the show i think it's really I think it's really good. I like I like all the like the extra sound effects and how mm-hmm. it flows, and I think he's he's a pretty good editor for that. He is an extremely good editor. Him, it's him and Grayson who are doing the editing. And at one point, they showed us the sound file of how they edit the show. And I would say that I used to have some decent sound editing skills. What they are doing in the like the raw file form, there's no way in hell I could do what they're doing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna step away from this one. <laughs> I've been out of Pro Tools practice for a very long time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all the links in the description. If you guys want to check those out, uh, we, you know, we, we put a lot of work into these things and we want people to check them out. Uh, so if you are so inclined, head on over to the to the uh, uh, about us section, the info section, the description section and check yeah. it out. Who wants to go first of the week? I'll go just like last week. Uh, everything I did, it was sparks. Uh, I don't usually talk about this, but I had a very bad mental health week, so I didn't do jack shit except play Skyrim and play Marvel Snap. So I played a lot of Marvel Snap. You guys should play that game. Uh, legitimately, it's it's not a game of the year, but like it is a game of the year contender with how good uh, uh, a free-to-play card game that Marvel put out is. It's very, very, very good. Um, if you're a fan of... It's created by the people who made Hearthstone, which is the Blizzard people. Um, it is the most... It, it takes off... like the whole, the whole point of Marvel Snap is it takes out all the bullshit from card games. Like, it's a, you have six turns, and there are three lanes. And you just have to have the most power out of two to three lanes, and it's very fast. Every match is less than three minutes, but it's very yeah. It, it's it's a type of game where like the matches are so quick, like forty five minutes will go by, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize I just played ten matches in a row because it's so fast and it gets you in. And the cards are really great. Uh, there's so many so many artists uh, uh, giving their their beautiful talents to these cards, and the upgrade system and the way that they dish out free currency. Uh, there is a battle pass you can buy, uh, but I didn't buy it because I didn't want to spend money on it yet. Um, it's really good. Like you're always earning something. 
and like the it goes up to like it has like thousands of levels like literally thousands of, of like levels that like because you get a point every time you play a game and every time you you get some more points you get a new card you get some uh experience to upgrade those cards um you start with regular cards and then they get like shiny and then they get animated and then like things happen in the back so you're always upgrading cards like that's like your currency to make like the coolest looking card and there are variants for all the cards it's funny that they're called variants i think that's great i have so much fun with it um like probably my favorite card game i've played in, in years um and it, it helps that it's Marvel. If it, if it was DC, if it was anything else, I'd love it just as much. But it is Marvel. Um, and all the cards feel like the abilities they have are like perfect for those characters. Uh, like one of my favorite cards is Carnage. And he's a, weak, he's a weak character. But if you put Carnage on your board, he eats all the other characters that are on your board and takes their power. So not only do you get a stronger card, you open up more spots to put other cards in. Uh, and every single card has different abilities like that. It's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible experience. Like I'm so shocked. And I resisted playing it for, for as long as I could. Uh, and then I was like, I don't know, they got me. This is a, this is a good one. If so, I might uh, interject, <laughs> yeah. if I might interject, right? Because I remember on Twitter you were talking about Marvel Snap, and then I tweeted under right, I replied to it, it was like, and then he downloaded Marvel Snap. And I was like, no, no, no. Uh, You're the like, thing no, is, no, no, no. Like, and then two days later, there you go. Yeah, it's it's when like video game journalists and like people who don't give a shit about Marvel are going, oh no, this is a game. This is a real ass card game. That's when I knew like I'll give it a shot. And then if you like Marvel, it's just. It, it just so much attention to detail with every card and every location and like the presentation. It's great. Love it. Um, everything I watched, I watched with Sparks this week. So whenever he talks, I'll just join him. Um, I do know you also I know, like how your week was, but I know you read some comics. I read comics. Yeah. The I, only one I wanted to hear a little bit about because I saw you read it. I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. because um, I know initially you were hesitant about them doing so many tiles under mm. it is the old man Logan. Umbrella. Yes, I read. Jesus, I read almost every single old man comic that came out in the last couple of years, like yesterday. Uh, from like 12 to 4 a.m., I read like 50 comics uh, just because I laid in bed and couldn't do shit. Um, yeah, Old Man Logan is a great comic and it's a really cool, it's, it's like a cool like post-apocalyptic world where all the villains won. And then they just kept coming back to it. I'm like, what's the, like, why? What's the value here? But like, every uh, that was just me being stupid because every story can be good if you give it a chance. And it turns out it's like the closest approximation i can make it's like the walking dead where like the world is like shit and the people who live it in like shit but it's the people who are good trying to survive but it's all superheroes and supervillains and obviously i love dr doom and his story is incredible and like uh, it's just so fun and like old man quill there's a 12 issue old man guardians of the galaxy story that's incredible maybe my favorite of all the old man uh stuff uh it's about peter quill and how like he basically caused like the, like the apocalypse on Spartax when he was the emperor. He became emperor after his father, and he let he let bad shit happen, and he feels guilty about it, and he ran away. And the guardians are like, "Yo, you need to come to Earth. It's really bad." So he goes to Earth, and then tons of shit happens. Uh, really great stuff. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great, great series. Um, so many good didn't, stuff. Didn't you did did you listen to the Wastelanders audio series also? I, right. I listened to, there's a Doctor Doom one. I listened to about half of it, and it's really cool. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, they put out multiples of those, too. Um, and, yeah, Marvel podcasts have been pretty good lately as well. Uh, I, the last one I listened to was that Wolverine one years ago, but that's that was still really good. Um, yeah, comics, comics are great. I read, I, for a book club next week, spoilers, it's a Namor book. I read, like, 40 issues on Namor comics, too. So, like, that's awesome. I'm just, I'm in the zone for Namor, baby. Absolutely. That's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that, especially about the old man stuff. Because, yeah. like. I'd, I'd never really had any reason to know if that was worth spending time I'll, on. I'll give you one. But one, it's cool to know. Uh, uh, real quick, a one shot that they do is Old Man Quill goes to the, the Xavier Mansion and it's destroyed. Um, and he meets Kitty Pride there and like she's she's supposed to be dead. 
And it turns out the Shadow King has been living inside Cerebro for like 50 years as like a zombie shadow man and just messes with people who ever come to the mansion. Uh, so seeing Star-Lord from the Guardians of the Galaxy fight the Shadow King from the X-Men in a post-apocalyptic world, it's just something I never thought I'd see. I never sure. expected it. Sure. Um, and it's just, it's really cool. Like, and Taskmaster's the leader of like this Coliseum and he just like feeds people to his, to his, um, his Venom Devil Dinosaur. And it's just, it's just cool shit. Yeah, comics are oh, great. I love Venom Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, it's cool shit. Um, we watched Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. Um, we made time for that before the Halloween time was over. And, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of it. I think that it's fun to watch actors who really love giving themselves completely over to a role, um, and love playing a role. And you can clearly tell, uh, regardless of like what, what it is, just watching actors enjoy it is is great and that's those three playing those sisters they have such a good time yeah that it it kind of didn't matter how good the rest of the film was the film was good mm -hmm. but it didn't really matter because like them having the time of their lives playing them again is all i cared about um i really appreciated brandon you haven't seen it yet correct Okay, yeah, um, but Ben did, uh, and I, I really... Know, I, I shook my head, no. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, I... <clears throat> excuse me. I really appreciated that everything they film in the woods and all that kind of stuff, it would have been really easy for them in the modern age to just go film in woods, but they specifically went out of their way to build the sets to look like the same sets for woods that they built in the original film so that it feels like it's totally consistent with the world of the original Hocus Pocus. Like, the camera work and, like, the, the digital image will look better, but the effects of them flying, the set work of where they are, they almost is all intentionally in tone yeah. with the original film, so that you don't feel like this dissonance. These things feel like they are aesthetically of the same piece. Yeah, it's, it's almost like... It's almost like, like, it almost looks bad, but it's not, it doesn't it's intentionally just like it's intentionally old school like special effects is what they're trying to do yeah because like definitely like those driving scenes those green screen flying scenes where it's like they are super clearly on a green screen that looks just like from 1995 but I, they, they do it on purpose uh yeah. instead of it being like oh it's a 2022 everything looks as perfect as it should be like no it looks old school and kind of shitty but like in a fun way yeah. that's really cool because a lot of people don't do that and yeah. it's always great when you when you revisit a franchise of of many years ago and you have all this new technology at your disposal. Obviously, the people, the directors, the producers, the writers, they want to use all that new technology. I always prefer it, though, when they try to make it look like it is similar. It was filmed in a similar fashion to the original thing. I Look, I, I don't begrudge anyone from using the new the new technologies at their disposal. But if you try to like make it look like that original thing, you've already got my attention in a, in a much more interesting way. Yeah, the, the way that the woods of Salem look exactly like the woods of Salem did in the original Hocus Pocus without them having gone to a new location of woods to make it look more realistic or something. The fact that they decided, no, this has to look exactly the same as it did in, in the 90s mm -hmm. uh, really enamored me to it because it does feel totally consistent and it feels really nice to have it be like, I feel like, oh yeah, I'm just going back to Hocus Pocus again. Sure. Yeah, it's I, like it's like yeah. they knew not to put 
like a different set of expectations on it. They're like, you wanted more Hocus Pocus. This is literally more Hocus Pocus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all this is. And just have a good time with that. And like, yeah, cool. Great. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that. I think uh, it. I, I liken it to, you know, the part of Halloween Kills we all liked, which is uh, the, the oh, like the, the going back to 1978, the way that they made it look just like 19, the way they filmed the shots differently, the way they lit the town differently mm -hmm. to be consistent with the tone of 1978. Mm -hmm. So that the, it felt like you were watching deleted scenes from that movie. That's the same kind of thing here is, is these scenes look like they would have been shot in the nineties. Yeah. They're just on a nicer camera. Uh, Sam, Sam Richardson is in this movie and I didn't realize that. And he's, he's just so fun. Like we just watched him in Werewolves Within. So like, he's just having a good month for us. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, Doug Jones comes back as Billy. I think mm -hmm. Billy. He comes back, but he's like a full role and he talks the entire time. So like, I love when Doug Jones gets to act because yeah. oftentimes like he's he, he's obviously acting when he's a monster, but like he doesn't ever get to talk. So it's like, oh man, like Shape of Water, like you you are an actor, you can do this shit. And then like, oh, you just get to be a character instead of just like running around as a zombie. Like it was that was fun. And I like the way they use Tony Hale. I think they find a good way of like using fish out of water stuff with the Sanderson sisters, but without like without overplaying the trope yeah it just feels very in tone with who those characters are um goofy yeah i, I like it I, I especially like from their point of view like they had one night where they were trying to catch up to the 90s and now they have another night where they're trying to catch up to 2022 and yeah. already technology is so vastly different from the thing they experienced they, in the 90s without spoilers like they almost become like influencers in a way which yeah. is like kind of fun because like like the trope of like oh people love you like they grew up loving your stuff so like you're famous now and they're like, oh, people like us. Let's use that against the other people. And I'm like, that's that's a cool idea. That's a, I like a good time. I like the bewitching, the they they bewitch a group of people again, like they did in the first one. But I I like the way they do it in this one more. I think it's I think it's really well integrated. The fact that there's like a a whole dance aspect to it really works for me. But it feels like very creepy, yeah. in its own way. Very good, yeah. Um. Anyway, Hocus Pocus <coughs> two. Very happy that they did it. Um. Yeah, it was good. I don't. I don't think you actually were down when we were watching this, but Marvel Assembled She-Hulk. No. Okay, yeah. So I watched that with Megan and Katie and uh, uh, Brandon. You can certainly jump in here to talk about it as well. But Marvel Assembled She-Hulk, I really wanted to watch this one because I I love the show for starters. And thank you. Tea delivery. Thank I have you. Tea. Yeah. Oh, I was really uh, hoping you were going to pull out like a like a little teacup. Just I have tea. <laughs> so it's my. It's, it's our it's our R two D two mug, which is not showing up quite right in this light. But um, R T D two, yes, exactly. R two R T D T. R T D T. Yeah, I really wanted to see that, and I still highly recommend seeing yeah. the She Hulk one because it's it's really cool to see stuff about how they use like an actual body double for certain moments of She-Hulk to get like, you know, sizing and proportions and the way that outfits would look on her mm -hmm. kind of thing, which is where we know we had, they had like, you know, a six foot, seven inches uh, woman yeah, yeah. Um, standing yeah, in yeah. and then like where they have, they have this, it just looks so cool. They're, they, they have like the camera mounting thing. Um, she's in the tr motion performance capture suit with the dots and everything. And then she's on this treadmill that keeps pace with her movements mm. so like it's not like she's just constantly walking it's like she you know she pushes it with with where she decides to start and stop and all that kind of stuff but it's elevated so it's like rolling along because she has to be a certain height yeah, for everyone yeah. else to look at so it's this treadmill thing on <laughs> wheels that's carting along with the camera mounted it's it's just a wild contraption yeah. of this way that i think is very innovative for how they had to film this almost all the time cgi lead character and they had to be creative and i and i really 
I really appreciate the gumption of that. And it's weird to see that amount of like tech and crew savviness applied to a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Is this 30 minutes or an hour? It's about an hour. Oh, nice. Um, I'll watch that. Uh, I, I really liked it. I really liked, um, clearly everybody just had a great time making the show. Um, it, it all the more just makes me want a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm so pleased with how much fun everybody seemed to have. They have a great section about, so there's, there's definitely like some stuff we've talked about. If you've watched our fake nerds, watch it, or you should, if you're watching She-Hulk where we've talked about the mishandling of Titania, there's clearly some amount of dialogue that was supposed to happen in that courtroom scene because there's a glimpse of it in assembled where she's saying something. Uh, she's like jumped up and talking down to Jen and we don't get that. Um, so it's a shame that like that didn't quite land the way they want to. They yeah. they talk a lot about what their intention was with Titania, and, and I feel like they didn't quite nail that. But then other than that, like everything that we get to hear is is really cool about the show. Brandon, uh, you go ahead. Well, one of the things I, I really like, just to kind of bounce off what you said about like the the way they they filmed her is when it, it, is they actually filmed Tatiana Maslani when Jen is tra- when when Jen is transforming from She Hulk to Tatiana. And so they film her on like a platform and they have her high on a platform where she would be, where her head would be. And then as they, to get like the transition shot, right. They lower the platform for her transition. Smart. Um, and I, and like, and she's in her costume. And I thought that was really clever. I thought that was a really clever way of, of doing that. And Sparks is right. Like the idea that like, this was a, this was, if this wasn't a Marvel show, this would have been groundbreaking as a sitcom. Like the technology that they use in this is not used in sitcoms. And it's, 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 it, it, we, we see it as an MCU show more than a sitcom. And so people just kind of take this kind of technology level of technology for granted, because that's just the technology they use in Marvel movies, but to see it applied to sitcom format and to see these basically sitcom writers talk about how they utilize the technology and how they kind of were, tr- were doing all these things that, any other show would have found this to be like, this would have been the first ever sitcom to you to be a, a to have a, a 100% CGI character. Like, it's really cool. It's a really cool look at, at, at behind the scenes that uh, Sparks mentioned. Like I, I like the show too. I like the show a lot. And so getting to see the kind of passion and love that they had for this show uh, behind the scenes. There's a couple of poll quotes floating around that they reiterate in this in this thing um, that have been taken. Some of them have been taken out of context to be fair, but one of them I really like is, is and people have already seen this is like, they were talking about Kevin and, and the idea that like Jessica had this idea. What if the, uh, they were going to stunt cast it with like a John Hamm or a George Clooney, but then they were like, what if it's a robot and every design and they show some of the designs, some of the other designs for Kevin, and every single one of them, the concept artists have always put a baseball cap on, on them. Whether it's like a holographic baseball cap, it's like a like no matter what it was, there was a real baseball cap on it. And Kevin Feige was the one to be like, why is this why is there a baseball cap on a robot? And 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 Jessica guy was like, and that was so, so weird that that was the thing that he couldn't get past that there was a baseball cap on a robot. We turned That's you not, into a robot. That's not realistic. I, yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked watching it. Um, I think the one other anecdote, because I, I think everyone should watch it, but the one anecdote that I found like 
really fascinating. And then they like they they show a version of what they're talking about in reference, and then um, like one of her transformations when she's with Bruce, and they talked about how they were trying to come up with the transformation between her states and how how it's supposed to be more natural for her to do. And what they ended up, they said they looked at like a lot of different kind of transformations that have been done in media. But what they ended up basing most of it off of was a time lapse of a strawberry ripening. And when they showed the footage of a strawberry doing that in a time lapse and then uh, the transition of her, I really saw how they applied that as an idea. And I thought that was really interesting. That's cool. Um, so just a lot of fun tidbits. That's a great show. I'm very happy with it. So, um, uh, yeah. Okay. So I watched the Sonic Frontier short and I kind of wish Ben had. because I even told you to I, watch it, Ben. I really Dude. wanted to talk about it. I said, ben, hold but... on. Well, we're going to rag on Ben real quickly. Fuck. I sent it to him the day it dropped. I said, yeah. hey, bud, you'd love this. Or I, well, yeah. I wasn't sure if you'd love it, but I, it was Sonic. I was like, hey, yeah, here's a Sonic. An animated yeah. short starring Knuckles and talking about adventure. Who'd want to watch that? Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about it a bit here. Uh, sorry for the spoilers for you, Ben. Um, I'm The reason I'm talking about it is because it, it's cool. and I, I, I was, But I was really glad I watched it because what ends up happening is that there's apparently a whole lot of Sonic Adventure lore being tied into this. Um, Knuckles has uh, his narration flashes back to specific images from Sonic Adventure of Tikal and the Echidnas uh, fighting over the Emerald. And then Knuckles sees the pink glow uh, sparkle that was Tikal in present day uh, is next to him again um, before he goes off up into the temple um and there's also a very subtle reference to chaos uh so i'm very intrigued now by frontiers that it seems like it's very much pulling from a lot of sonic adventure lore which is really really fascinating um uh they were hitting a lot of particular buttons with what they were showing visually there which is super intriguing and it also shows that um there's this implication that the place where knuckles goes the place where all our characters seem to go for the video game for frontiers is whoever created the emeralds um seems to be the yeah this is what i'm saying then um seems to be the implication or at least created the temple for the master emerald for audio, audio listeners eyes ben's eyes perked up when he said that <laughs> i, I uh, admit that i boo boo the fool for not watching this sooner <laughs> we that line came up in our book club by the way boo boo the fool yeah yep it did it did um i was i was uh i was looking so i watched that short i don't really have anything to say it looked it was fun i liked it um but the sonic frontiers a new sonic frontiers trailer dropped this week yes. also we're not talking about it in the news but uh that was the first trailer that actually got me really like, really interested in the, in the game i was like oh this actually looks varied and fun and engaging what it's, where was this trailer my whole life yeah the the marketing for this game has been so interesting because like up until like four days before it's released they've shown us basically the same shit the same mm -hmm. big open world that doesn't look very engaging that's like like you put random assets into a big open world and that's what the game looks like you're right brandon like this trailer showed us no we're going to many different biomes many different biomes uh much like you do in a sonic game but it's an open world version of it so like <coughs> I, I'm, I'm less worried like it i'm not it still looks like an okay game i'm not gonna say it looks like the greatest game ever but like i'm certainly more intrigued now that i know like a Mario game, we're going to so many other places. Because yeah. otherwise it looked like, so we're just going to be in this big open world. It looks like shit. That's boring. That's lame. Uh, no, it looks, you're riding sand sharks in a desert. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to wait for reviews, but I'm actually intrigued now. That was, yeah. that was If it cool. didn't come out a day before God of War, 
Oh baby, uh, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm I'm also I was more intrigued by the trailer. I was most intrigued by the short because of the of the lore information that it seems to be presenting. Mm-hmm. If the game is really dealing as heavily with the the past lore as that short implies, um, this is a super super interesting avenue because like this is we're talking about stuff that like Sonic games for a while have not been backwards referencing their like major narrative uh, forms and what they've been doing pretty much not since not counting Sonic Generations, which again, like isn't so much doing it narratively as it's doing it aesthetically. Um, Sonic Heroes was really the last one, if I'm correct, Ben, that that like worked as part of a continuous narrative from the previous entries that had come before. Mm-hmm. And then everything else has been more like, we're do- telling the story we're telling right now. We're not really backwards referencing a lot of things or building upon the world that was established in previous games. Yeah, the only, like Sonic, um, Sonic uh, Heroes, really the only time they mentioned the past games was with Team Dark and Shadow Story. Everything else, like with like Chaotix, Sonic, and everything else, it was just them going forward but with team but with team dark being shadow rouge and uh gamma that was all about is this the real shadow because he fell from the arc and presumably died and then it's like right. oh shit there's a lot of clones and gamma's like the real one has to be around here somewhere right so that was the only connection to sonic adventure 2 whereas all the other heroes are just like now nah, let's just go full steam ahead new story new plan let's go have fun Choo-choo. yeah um so it's it's going to be interesting to see if if <laughs> I hope it's good because I would like to have a reason to play this. And I hope that it is really doing something with the lore the way that that short is implying because I would love that. Hell yeah. I would just like uh, a good Sonic game. That's all I'm, I'm hoping for. Yeah. Sure. Um, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror that came out this year. Mm. Um, I watched it with Ryan. Yes. My first one in like 15 years. Yeah. I have now, uh, I, I've missed a few, but um, during this October season, I actually watched all of them. I managed to see all of them again. Um, some pretty good ones in the past decade mm-hmm. um, that I missed. Good. Uh, but this one in particular was, a, I think, a very good one. Yeah. Um, this is the one a lot of people know had the Death Note parody by the Death Note animation team. Um, Look, which is, it looks stupid good, too. Which looks stupid good. <laughs> Homer um, and, Mar- and Marge are like, Wow, people, that's crazy. I I truly thought that Ryuk was going to be Bart. Yeah, uh, going into it, and the fact that it ended up being He's L. It seems that yeah, L. It, it that did make sense. Bart is L. Um, L Barto. L Barto, which made uh. a lot. Um, but the fact that Ryuk is more like Mo. Yeah, uh, kind of surprised me. Um, but I thought it was a really good good Simpsons Treehouse story parody of uh of Death Note of westworld yeah that one that one took me by surprise that was great because it starts in like a really old episode so it look, looks grainy and it looks old i'm like are they just replaying an old episode and it's and it's like no you're watching a scenario from westworld happen about an old episode of simpsons and i'm like oh my god they got me so hard and i queued in a little early because i was like are they doing westworld? and like they immediately just like they do the westworld shit i'm like oh my god this is so good they even make the joke about it getting canceled before it actually got canceled god damn it yeah how'd they do that they know <laughs> And all in the neighboring parks and everything that yeah. they do, um, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of fun stuff there. And then uh, the the uh, the Duke. Oh yeah, there was a Babadook one, which yeah, is yeah. a which is you know the, the like genuinely some disturbing Simpsons imagery because the Babadook imagery is disturbing and they adapt that into Simpsons and so it's it's genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah, like, it's the actually like Marge is, trying ooh. to like yeah like murder kid <laughs> like it's like man it's like I forget because I've again I've watched Simpsons in a while like they do get really grim sometimes. Yeah. And they had the, uh, I thought the really nice like connection of how Maggie brings Marge back 
the touching the cheek and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was cute. Yeah, so just like, uh, so Babadook, um, Death Note, and Westworld were the parody options for the Treehouse this year, and I thought all three were really good. Really good. I don't talk about Simpsons a lot, but those were some good episodes. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, and then the last thing is Ryan and I have started the Midnight Club. Mike Flanagan. Yeah. We're in it. Um, we're about three in. Three out of ten. Uh, really enjoying it. Yep. It's it's another good Mike Flanagan show. Yeah, uh, it's... he The Flanagan joints we talked about, it's like... He, he makes shows that you want to binge. Because either they end in such an interesting way you want to keep going, or just like every character so intriguing... Uh, and like, it's so hard once you start a show with someone to just wait for them to watch it. Cause like every time I go upstairs by myself and I'm like, what if I just watch it by myself and then tell them, but I, but I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, I'm loving it. I, again, like midnight mass was my favorite thing last year. Uh, and like, he's just like, this is, this is so good so far. The character stuff, like Flanagan just writes like the most believable real characters and like good, good. And it's a show about all terminally ill kids. Like it's really a really sad, sad show, but it's like really it's really like they find a lot of humor they find a lot of humor in it uh and it's like really really heartwarming like these these dying kids making connections with each other um and obviously there's weird supernatural cult shit happening too that's it's all interesting like yeah it's lucky heather langenkamp from the original nightmare on elm street is in it and she's very very good killing it um a lot of the actors get to pull double duty because as they're telling stories it's it's i like the way they're doing it. it's like an anthology almost it's not consistent uh in in what i mean by that is so every episode one of the kids is telling a story maybe more than one um is telling a story and you're seeing a visualization for the story that they're telling and some of the kids in the group might show up as characters in that story and sometimes they won't yeah um and it's not like everybody's in it or that kind of thing uh I, I like that. I can't like expect, oh, when is so-and-so going to show up as, and who are they going to be here? Or that kind of thing. Like, it's very like, yeah, maybe some of these characters might be played by the kids and they might be important and they might not be. Um, and I, and it kind of keeps you on your toes for where someone might show up. It is. It's really cool because the show does a thing where like these, these kids gather to talk, they have, they tell ghost stories every night at midnight. That's what the midnight club is. Um, and every story they're telling might be their own story, but, but it, but it also might not be, which is really fascinating um because like there's a character who's missing a leg who talks about uh her stories about dancing um so like are you is this is this you or are you just telling a story that's kind of like you and it's like we don't get the answers and that's really really fascinating um it just leaves kind of everything like ambiguous and i'm just like man that's really well written yeah and genuinely like this last episode that we watched had a moment that made me like cover my mouth kind of i was like i just didn't think they were going to go about a certain moment the way that they did is it a murder visually on screen yeah oh yeah yeah oh, i didn't man. think they were gonna do that. yeah it's <laughs> yeah yeah i thought i thought somehow we were gonna back out of that scene or skip over that moment or something and then it happened and i was like uh i thought uh... <laughs> yeah mike flanagan has made only like really like rated r like violent shit so like when this when the show was announced and we seen the trailer i didn't realize it was also rated r because it's about a bunch of kids but very quickly you realize no this bad shit happens in the show too to these kids. And I'm like, man, yeah, it's, 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 so, it's, it's um, so I will say, I will say, because like, I think it's something, it's something funny and, and it's not really a spoiler and it's, it's something you can look for. It's it, pretty sure it's episode two. There's a part where one of the kids is looking at the wall and I saw something that apparently no one else was seeing because everybody was looking at like, why is the mirror blurred out? 
why isn't she seeing a clear visual of herself? And I'm like, there is a person in the wall. <laughs> what are you talking about? And like, <laughs> I was focusing on something totally different. So Mike Flanagan seems to be up to his tricks where he's hiding a lot of things presently in the frame for you to look for. He's the ghost hider. That's, <laughs> that's his job. He's a ghost hiding. And he's doing a good job. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to share. Love it. I wanted to say, um, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Midnight Mass or Midnight Club yet, but I, Ryan said uh, that, you know, he's really great at like the cliffhanger endings for the episodes. It makes you just want to keep going. Bly Manor has a, has a, has one episode that ends in such a shocking way that I genuinely had no idea how the show could continue from that point. Like I just, I just did not expect that there would be more episodes after what was clearly the, the end of the show, and yeah. and and so like it happened, and I was like, well, we we're watching the next episode because there's four more episodes. I got to know what the hell happened. Yeah, I definitely that was a binge show for me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know, I know which which part you're talking about for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for us the the most recent one it was rough because we we had to go to sleep i had to go to sleep um but we were watching midnight club and like there's this part that happens and ryan's like oh god please don't let that be the end because it went to black screen for a moment and then and then something happens and he's like oh thank god there's more and it's only for like another minute and then it's <laughs> the end of the episode and he was like god damn it <laughs> it's so juicy it, it even would have been juicier if it ended where i thought it was a man but then we get more and it's like Oh, no, Mike, stop it. It's so good. All right. Any, anything else from you two? That's it for me. All right. Nope. Watched ben. a lot of Andor, but I can't talk about that here. Oh, yeah. I've, I've now, Andor is like the one show that I've rewatched all the way through now because it's just like, it's just, it's, it's like, it's a like crack. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> Straight up crack. Oh, my God. I need to catch up on Andor. Oh, Ben. Yeah, you no. Ben, you want to you go next? Yeah, sure. I did not do a whole lot this week. Um, mostly this week. Uh, really, it was just me preparing to just getting through the week so my vacation starts because I have two weeks off of work. Yay. And what I did do quite a bit was I kept playing the Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy, not just for research because um, as of this recording uh, tomorrow, my article on Go Nintendo is going to get published. So woohoo, look forward to that. But also because it's really freaking fun. Just like Ryan, I've also been playing a lot of card games. If you hear Sizzling fans making some food downstairs, so apologize for that noise. But I am just so... I'm kind of mad at myself because I never knew how to play the Pokemon card game when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure all of us, when we were buying Pokemon cards, we never knew how to play. You don't know me. And, and even when I would buy a, a starter deck... The rule books say that like I remember, I remember this vividly. My brother and I bought starter decks. We were in the car. We pulled the rule books out. We're about to read it. And the first sentence in there in that sucker is do not read this unless you've played the Pokemon trading card game a few times. And we're sitting there going, What? How are we supposed to know how to play the game if we don't know how to play the game? Is there like another set that gives you like the basic rules and this is the more advanced one? And we just never caught on. And of course, years would go by. We would just buy cards to buy cards, and then I I let all my cards go. Uh, I didn't throw them into fire like Ryan did, and they just disappeared. Which remember that's a good memory, Ben, that I did burn yeah. all my Pokemon cards in Teenage Angst. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now that I'm an adult and I'm 
the, the the game like the basis of my article is that the video game is the perfect way to learn how to play the card game in real life and just like ryan like ryan you download marvel snap there's a online version of pokemon tcg that i can download off the pokemon website with the modern rules Hell yeah! because remember that game came out in like 2000 2001 when the game was still young and only had the first three sets, the base jungle and fossil sets, whereas this one has like all the new rules, the VMAX rules and yada, yada, yada. But now, now that I know how to, to play the game on the basics, because I have hung up a Snorlax card, an oversized Snorlax card, and even my uh, Charmander City Cool cards, I can look at those and I know exactly what all the text means. I know what the little energy symbols mean. I know what the whole, I know it all, or not know it all, but I understand it now. And it's kind of getting me into a bit of a rabbit hole where it's like I'm watching Pokemon card game videos on YouTube. I'm, it's getting me, giving me the itch where it's like, I kind of want to go buy Pokemon cards now. I not just to collect, but also to build a deck to actually play the game and try and find people to play the game. So, yeah, that's a weird little rabbit hole I've gone into, and it only took me 23 years to actually understand how to play the damn game. Ben, so. every every card game I've ever bought into, whether it's Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, or Magic the Gathering, I learned how to play those games through video games. All three, all every collectible card game has a video game <laughs> version yeah. of it. And, and like on the PS1 specifically, there was a Yu-Gi-Oh! game that I played religiously. Like that, Forbidden Memories? Yeah, I, ha I had that one too. I did not like oh, yeah. that game. I, I don't even know if it's good, but I, I played the out of it. What was the game? Well, we're on card games. What was the game that wasn't Yu-Gi-Oh, but it was like Dual Monsters or something? It, Dual it had Masters. A, Dual Masters. Thank you. I, I played that. I knew how to play that Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh, but I never knew how to Dual play Pokemon. Masters. Is that like is it like <laughs> generic off-brand Yu-Gi-Oh? It is. There wasn't. -Oh there was an anime. Hardcore. Yeah, there was I remember the anime, anime Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That looks uh, just like a ripoff. That looks like a ripoff. Yeah, <laughs> like I Goku remember they, they made they made cards of those, and I knew how to play that game because I had a friend who who knew how to play, and I knew how to play Magic and Once Upon a Time and Yu Gi Oh. I knew how to play, but those are that was it. Yeah, it's wow. never never understood Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, and I remember because I even doing research for the article, I found a old um, commercial for the video game. And the whole marketing was like, hey, kids, if you don't know how to play the Pokemon training card game, buy the video game and it will teach you how to play. You could teach you how to I mean, it's not a true one to one, but I got to say a lot of times, when, especially when I buy video games loose, especially older games loose, there's no tutorial. So you have to look up the manual online and try and figure it out. Not the case with the, with the Pokemon TCG. It teaches you like you sit new file, new game. Right from the get-go, it will teach you step-by-step step on how return goes, what you can do. And if you try to do something, it'll say, hey, you can't do that. You already did that step. And it is just like boom, boom, boom. I mean, there are a few things where like, I wish there was a card shop and there's other things because it's not perfect. But if you want to learn how to play, it is a really good stepping stone in learning how to play the game in real life. Hell yeah. So That's cool, man. I don't need to get that itch. Thank you. <laughs> I had that itch 20 years ago when I played the game. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's weird because now I'm pl I'm playing I'm playing this game. It's like, man, if I had known this, I actually would have probably been be able to play with other kids on the schoolyard. But now that I'm almost 32, it's like, do I really want to start no, ben, playing this game? This I think what, I'll this just. Is what you do? You just bring your Game Boy and on your cards to an elementary school and going, I'm here to play with some kids. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. 
Uh, yeah, sure. Cops aren't going to show up at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, For legal purposes, this... I must say we are joking. <laughs> yeah, do not joking. arrest us. F FBI guy, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, By the way, yeah. can I just say, I really like that millennials have all adopted the we all have a personal FBI guy oh, watching yeah. us joke. I really, I'm really happy that that became a a clearly just millennial. We all just agree that there was yeah. one assigned to each of us. We have FBI agent assigned to us monitoring our every single move. Uh, but besides that, in other video game news, Ryan and I stepped back for a, it was a brief moment, but it was a beautiful brief moment in time where we stepped into the lands between once again. For he helped me slay the mighty Lord of Dragons, a two-headed monstrosity known as Dragon Lord Pasigisax. It took us seven times, but we did it. Ben, and Grayson ben, can... Seven? Double it. It took us 14? Ben, I took videos of every time we attempted it. It was, it was like 12 to 14. Jesus. Never mind. I lied. 14 He's times. Got He's got I the receipts, Ben. I was... Because I, I thought I was taking videos, too, but I guess I missed half of them. You, you, I was... you definitely uh, didn't stop recording as much as I did, but I stopped recording every time we died. So I have like okay. I have twelve to fourteen videos. Okay, but so yeah. we but Grayson can't test this because he was listening to us when we took him down. Yeah, um, I gotta get I gotta get the files from Ben because I thought I can get them easily from PlayStation, but the files are too big, so I have to yeah. go to his house to get the files. So whenever mm -hmm. I can do that, uh, you'll have a video. Yeah, just yeah, just let me know when you want to come over. You're more than welcome to come over. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, that was fun because that was the first time Ryan and I have actually been played Elden Ring together for quite a while. Actually. Since probably my TV broke that one night. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, uh, let me tell you, this is the first time I played Elden Ring on my new TV. That looks good. That's a good looking uh, game. Looks good. That's a good looking game. Yeah. So, and I was like, because I haven't played Elden Ring in quite a few weeks, and then I started because I would play with Grayson every once in a while, but I would play in his game. And then when Ryan came in, we were trying to play. It's like it was great because we were shaking the rust off, and we were just getting better and better and better. And that's just like, man, this is why I love playing video games and why I love playing <laughs> games like Elden Ring. Is even though like the first two times you'll just get the they mop the floor with you as you keep progressing and shaking the rust off. It's like, Oh man, bring it on. Let's go. Hell yeah. I'm sorry. Spark stop looking at me for a minute. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't okay, think I'm laughing sorry. at what you think. I'm laughing. Okay. Sorry. But I don't I, know what. I'm sorry. I was fully listening to your story. I only got distracted because Brandon took his headphones off and I forgot Brandon got a haircut. Uh, and so oh, it's really so much smaller than I was prepared for. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I was, he, I, was... I, I knew he was looking at me, so I was I was I, I heard I heard the whole story, but I was really trying hard not to look at Sparks because that face makes me laugh. There will for be more Elden Ring videos in the future. And this time, Ben, I think I'm just gonna have you record to your YouTube channel because it's so much easier to just give one file than take 14 files. <laughs> I shot you. Yeah. yeah, that that there will because Ryan and I are gonna go try and beat the beat the game on my game, and I'm gonna help him beat Melania. Um, and also, I want to try to beat this game before uh, Friday because I'm gonna be getting God of War on Friday. Hell yeah, we can do that. Easy money. Ooh, I'm getting it on Wednesday. Oh man. I mean, I want to get it on Wednesday, but I need to wait till Friday because yeah, there's not enough money to count. I mean, but that's I, beside the point. I pre-ordered it, so it's coming in the mail. Uh, okay. so like, I, 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 I get why. I pre-ordered it, but. I don't know when I'll play it. Don't worry, I'll play it. I don't know, man. I Honestly, when I picked these two weeks off from my, it was mostly for my mom's birthday, which is today. Happy birthday, mom! And my birthday, which is next week. And then I found out two the two biggest games, God of War and Pokemon Scarlet Violet, coming out during my vacation. It's like, oh, I lucked out. Yep, yeah, it's true. 
Anything else, Ben? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, okay. I'll talk about... I'll, first off, let me just say, the new Quantum Leap show, great. I really like it. Uh, they did a Halloween episode that was very spooky. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. There is an old Quantum Leap episode that I was hoping this was going to be a sequel to, uh, where Sam falls down the stairs... And the whole episode becomes a dream, but he meets the devil. And so like, he thinks that Al is talking to him, but it's actually the devil. Um, and so there's all these murders happening around the town. He's trying to stop all the murders. Um, and the devil says, you think I wouldn't notice you trying to put right what I put wrong. And I looked at that episode for a long time. And I was like, that is an excellent idea. Actually giving quantum leap an antagonist to fight against the devil. The devil, because they talk about God in the show all the time. It's a very religious show, um, because the the idea is that they they believe that God has taken over the quantum leap, like the act of quantum leaping, and that's why Sam has to keep doing a good deed every single time he leaps. Is this and secretly so, a Christian show? N- no, okay. it's definitely not a secret. <laughs> oh, never, just oh then I'm never show. ever watching that show. Oh my god. And and so but like the the it, it's not it's not explicitly like oh they they say god like every episode but they they are under the impression that the reason why Sam is not leaping back to the quantum leap program back home to 1995 is because he has become kind of the guardian angel that god is putting into places that that went wrong that he, that god feels went wrong and now he's putting Sam there to put it right. That's the original show. Um, and I thought that would have been a really cool idea. I think Quantum Leap needs an antagonist. I know I know the evil leapers show up in the in the fifth season, but I think honestly that's five seasons too late. Um, I understand the, the the reason why they did that. But this new show has a really cool hook to it of of, of the the guy who's leaping is trying to get somewhere, specifically in time. We don't know why. Um, and he uh they actually make, make this mention because it's a you know, new, new showrunner, but like same producer. Um, so he says, so they say like, he's there. So why do I have, why am I put in these places? And why do I have to do a good deed in order to leap? And so like her, his Ben's AI says, well, Sam Beckett thought that God was controlling the program and da da da. So they kind of like are also operating under the under a similar aspect, but they, but this group don't believe it as much as Sam and Al did. But they they meet, they do an exorcist parody in the latest episode for Halloween. They do that. Ben jumps into an exorcist, a priest, and they go to this and they go to this house in this house in this this old house in 1930, and this demon is possessed. This little girl and it's all it's very very creepy, very well done, very spooky. Not a real demon. No spoilers. It's a scientific show about time travel. They're not going to introduce supernatural aspects. I wanted them to. A little disappointed they didn't, but it's fine. Great show. Keep your sci-fi um, show a sci-fi show. I I know. I I want a little. I want a little supernatural here and there. Is God sp- supernatural? Is that? I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Supernatural would say so. Yeah, it's true. That's I just true. I don't like. I for some reason I think of like cool demons and like God as different things, but that's because I read X Men comics. <laughs> I mean, that was the premise of the fifth or fourth season of Supernatural. They couldn't believe that angels exist, but they're like, "Well, demons exist." Yeah, that's true. 
Um, this, that's actually one of my favorite episodes of that show. That was that was when the show was good when they were when when they had to like confront the the notion that like wait heaven's real and it's like well you know hell's real why'd you why'd you assume yeah you didn't like it just there wasn't anything else <laughs> that's fine. yeah thought you knew it all um anyway, and then the they quantum... did for 14 more years <laughs> anyway the new quantum leap show is quite good i i really like it um oh, yeah. I, I got zara into it this week thanks to the most recent episode um happy to have just been wrong about that show good 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 um, yeah, I'm excited for them. Oh, there was something really juicy that happened in this, but it's a spoiler, so I won't say. Um, I watched all four episodes of the latest season of Nailed It, which is that really stupid baking show um, that Nicole Byers puts on Netflix every couple of every couple of months. It's a great show. Uh, I really like it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, nobody ever greases their pans, uh, and that's becoming very frustrating after seventy seven seasons of the show. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like really watch. The Halloween stuff that came out this year, but like other people did, and I did catch the part where she's like, "I think he should win just because this actually tastes like cake." <laughs> yes, someone actually made a cake, and everyone's like, "Wait, this is a cake." Um, it was so the the hook of this season was that there were there were actors from well, they were themed to be, um. Uh, based on popular Netflix shows. So there was one that was Cobra Kai, there was one that was The Witcher, Umbrella Academy, and then one more that I, I've never seen the show, so I, for, I left my mind. Um, Cobra Kai had an actor from the show as a host, as a guest host, and an actor from the show as a baker. And I thought that was really cool. That was a really fun dynamic. Very good episode. Liked it a whole lot. The Umbrella Academy episode had uh, Rumor, the girl who plays Allison, as a guest judge, but no actor from the show as a baker. Okay, fine. You know, these actors are popular. Sure. Maybe it costs too much. The Witcher had no one. The <laughs> Witcher had no one from the show. And I get it. You can't get Henry Cavill. I understand. I'm not expecting Henry Cavill to be a guest judge or a baker on that show. It'd be incredible. Mm -hmm. But I'm not expecting it. But, like, Jasper? Like... No one was available to do a guest judge spot for 30 minutes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was bad scheduling on their part. And like the wisher was filming or something. Who knows? Maybe it's, it, it's the, it's my least favorite of the, of the three, mostly because it didn't get an actor from it. And like, I thought the actors from the shows brought in a really fun dynamic. That was really fun. Well, it was fun to watch. Which one was all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the, I don't want to talk about Nailed It. That's more talk about Nailed It than I think that show deserved. Mm. But you got it. Um, I watched a lot of Doctor Who this week. Um, as I told you last week, I'm catching up because I want to see... Look, I want to see the 60th stuff. I want to see David Tennant return. But I also want to see uh, Jodie Whittaker's run. And I never have. I stopped watching the show after Capaldi's first season. So I didn't watch the second season. And I... I liked Capaldi and I like Clara, honestly, as a companion. Um, but I didn't like the season, so I stopped watching, and that was kind of my my like final straw with the show that I was like, you know what, it's not for me anymore. That's fine. But because I'm kind of interested in the show again, I I, I did want to go through it. And Zara hadn't seen any Capaldi, so I wanted to skip the season, but I can't because I'm watching it with Zara. And so we're watching the first season, Capaldi's first season, all the way through. And I remember why I stopped watching. I 
It's not good. Um, I like Capaldi a lot as the Doctor. I think he's a lot of fun. Um, he's kind of this. I I like it when the Doctor's kind of a grumpy old man. Um, you know the the kooky the kooky best friend of Matt Smith, and you know the younger Doctors are fun, but like seeing an older gentleman as the Doctor and, and just kind of be fed up with everyone is really fun. He's 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 great. Whip smart. A lot of fun dialogue. The episodes he gets this season in particular are just not well-written episodes. And that could be because there was there's always growing pains when you get a new doctor and you're not really sure what the character is going to be like going forward. And that could be a lot of that, but it, it's it's been kind of a struggle. I'm going to... I'm not going to give up this time, though. I'm going to keep going. I want to see Whitaker as the doctor, and I want to see the 60th. I, so. I, for the life of me, can't remember a single episode from the first season of Capaldi. But I can remember like five from season two off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, season two's season two's pretty strong, right from the jump. The David, in my opinion, season two of Capaldi. Oh, Capaldi. Opinion. Oh yeah, I um, yeah, I never got there. I but I did remember liking. I did watch the first two episodes of that season, which are kind of a, a recreation of a Fourth Doctor episode where he meets uh, Davros. Um, I remember liking those quite a bit um and i just and like that was kind of when capaldi decided not to be like old man grumpy magician doctor but kind of like rock star old man doctor and i was yeah, like yeah this is that was that was the, the good change shit. that's the good shit yeah 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 and i i, I really like that i like that a lot more than the doctor we follow, than his doctor we followed in the first like he changes his outfit too he's got longer hair um yeah. so like i i the first episode has this one where they go to the moon and it actually, the moon's actually an egg and the whole thing is like, are we going to blow up this? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. You're not going to blow up the moon. Yeah. Um, Piccolo did. It's true. Twice. Um, I, I liked, but the, you know, they're like, I like Clara um and this is also the episode this is also the season that introduces although i forgot how prevalent it was like the heaven stuff with missy like setting up the finale where everyone becomes cybermen spoilers um and like all the dead become cybermen um i, like, I remember so liking that stuff the the end of almost every episode has a character die and then be interviewed by missy like oh welcome to paradise welcome to heaven and like that's what yeah, i yeah. forgot how prevalent that was and i do like the actress who plays missy i've seen her in a lot of things since um mm-hmm. yeah she was in uh i haven't seen the season but she was in do patrol season three and and four yeah um but i like her um yeah the cast was never the issue i just think the they, they weren't sure what to do with capaldi in those in that first season mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um but i will say i finished a little bit more doctor who sorry um minuet and hell and invaders from mars now those are two audio adventures from the eighth doctor i'm going through the eighth doctor i'm going to try my best to get through every eighth doctor audio adventure eventually um uh the first arc ends with minuet in hell and it's this and it's four standalone um audio adventures i talked a bit about them last week the first day last week the fourth one they all kind of have like bumpers of this like they're all each book ended by the tardis has a kind of this like they describe it as like this kind of pterodactyl looking thing called a vortisaur, which it, which was picked up in the time vortex accidentally by the doctor. Um, and the vortisaur really likes the doctor's companion, Charlie, um, the, this new, this new chick that he picked up in 1930s. 
in the 1930s. She, so the Vortisaur kind of really likes it because, really likes Charlie because she like feeds off of vortex energy and that's kind of, that's why it's called a Vortisaur. And the doctor was on a, was on a Zeppelin that was supposed to lose 44 people. 44 people were supposed to die. That's time. That's, and, and the timeline says 44 people died, but only 43 people died. And that's the doctor's fault. And so like, he's feeling bad about it. He's like, okay, Charlie, you come with me. Cause she's the one who didn't die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like that's, that's messing with Charlie's timeline. That's messing with time in general. And so like the doctor's kind of dealing with that in the background while this is going on. Minuets in Hell was a lot of fun because that was a that was set in America in the early 221st century when we introduced the 51st state called Hochele. I never caught the name. Um, you remember the 51st state um, that, that uh, was run by demons. Um, oh. You remember. Um, yeah. And the the so the doctor shows up and he's kind of kind of create kind of like i don't know who i am right now and charlie's like i don't know who i am right now but the brigadier shows up i love the brigadier he's my favorite classic character from doctor who um brigadier alistair lethbridge stewart he's the doctor's best friend and it's really cool to see him paired with the eighth doctor this is the first time the eighth doctor met him they have a fun rapport i like him a lot it was really cool he's got a very distinct voice so it's kind of a very pleasing audio experience because of his voice um so I like that. And then the second arc starts with Invaders from Mars, which has a different format. And I actually think it's not as good as the first arc um, so far. And I hope I hope the adventures get better. But so far, this one is introducing a lot. There's like mobsters and aliens that aren't Martians. And then Orson Welles is doing his um, his like War of the Worlds audio it's like a radio play at the same time that actual aliens are invading. And then the doctor and it, there's a lot going on in this and I'm almost done and they haven't all come together yet. And it's, it's fine. Just a little hard to kind of get through. Um, but I really like the eighth doctor. He's always been my favorite. And I, I, I desperately hope for some more live action appearances from him, maybe in the 60th, you don't know. Potentially. Um, I, I really, I really, I really dig him as the doctor, and I'm really, I'm really glad I'm listening to these. Um, just, you know, always kind of lamenting the fact that he never got that live action show that that movie was supposed to lead into. The last thing I'll talk about is guy is Godzilla versus Gigan Rex, which was a short film that released uh, thanks to Godzilla Day. There were two Gigan short films that released for Godzilla Day this week. Um, I watched both of them. I like both of them. Godzilla versus Gigan Rex rules. I think that short is. Awesome awesome i've seen it many times um did any of you guys watch it oh hell yeah i watched it yeah um i i think that i think that's so cool so so for those of you who don't know it introduces a new a new style guy game called guy game rex and so like it's, it's cgi uh it's all created it's all computer generated so there's no, this one is not the suit mo- suit motion one that's the other one um it also has a cool i think a cool new design for godzilla and there's all these Gigans around and, and they're destroying the city and Godzilla shows up and Godzilla's fighting them. Um, and then Gigan Rex shows up and he's like an angel from Evangelion. <laughs> and like his eye comes, eye comes out. He like absorbs the souls of the other Gigans. <laughs> it's wild. I loved it. I loved it. I'm not going to lie. When I got to that part, I was like, okay, is he Dekiano part of this? Cause this is an angel from Evangelion. Yeah. It was, 
it was really cool because like the first like the other guy gains like their their chainsaws in the center of their chest like get further out like they like extend out and like oh that's cool and then like their souls are absorbed by guy rex i'm like oh shit that's rad get in the guy shinji um <laughs> <laughs> the uh the short is it's heavily hinted because the actress who narrates the beginning and the way they frame godzilla in the beginning um even though it's a cgi recreation is that it's godzilla jr from godzilla versus destroya like this is an extension of the heisei era that's not confirmed it's really it's a fan theory it's a fan theory i really like i like the idea that we've kind of seen that godzilla at the end of destroya come back from the dead who, who came back from the dead uh thanks to his father's sacrifice um was still kind of trugging along and i like the design if that if that is the case that opens the possibilities for more godzilla uh things to show up in different eras not just kind of doing whatever we'll get into more godzilla a little later but i really liked it it's still online if you guys want to check it out audience members if you if you it, it's really cool i liked it a hell of a lot it is very very cool yeah the uh, what is it called bread and butter <laughs> yeah it's bath time Sad news up top. Aaron Carter. Singer Aaron Carter passed away this week at the age of 34. He was found dead in his bathtub. Yeah. Um, 34 is our age. That's very young. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely, his entire life, he had he had substance abuse problems growing up as a child. Star, you know, can really mess with you. Uh, I grew up, I was an Aaron Carter super fan when I was a kid. Oh, my God. He beat Shaq. Remember that? Remember we beat Shaquille O'Neal? Holy shit. Um, Hillary Duff made a really sweet post saying, I know your life is hard. And I hope you're resting now. And that's like really sweet. Cause like, uh, if you know anything about Aaron Carter's history, he's, he's, he was really troubled. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a big bummer when somebody who goes through that kind of issues doesn't get, doesn't get to get past it. Uh, yeah. something that I, I, I desperately relate to. Um, yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a shame. Like, I'm not going to say like, I, I listened to Aaron Carter in the last 20 years of my life or anything, but like nobody deserves to go out of 34. You know, I will definitely, I mean, I remember very well when Aaron Carter was on top of the world on like Nickelodeon, Radio Disney, Disney Channel. It's like he was one of those top um, pop stars that we loved listening to. He was, I felt like he was up there with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys because I remember when his version of I Love Candy came out, yep. that was constantly on Radio Disney, but instead of like going, oh god not another one myself my brother and a lot of the kids at school we were singing it we were like listening we couldn't wait for the new aaron carter song to drop it was like the day when in sync aaron carter they released a new song it was christmas for us yeah um i also want to say that i was a huge aaron carter fan i mean it's definitely aaron carter is definitely one of those artists that throughout my life that i would recognize as being a big part of my life for a sliver of time but then I would just move on to other things. Yeah. Um, and when I first saw or saw that, like there was like, a, I was scrolling through YouTube and there was like a news story clip of Aaron Carter presumed dead. I'm like, I hope not. Cause, and then all these memories came back and then I was talking to Fanny about it later. And she's like, Oh no, it's confirmed. He died today. I'm like, that's sad. Yeah. And yeah, because you're right. No one yeah, deserves to go was, out at 34. Uh, 34 years old is 34 years old is not like, no matter who you are, honestly, it's tragic. Like if you, if you die at 34, it's, it's rough. Um, 
I was more familiar with Backstreet Boys and his brother Nick Carter. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, so his stuff was kind of like attached to that always. Um, I know he opened for Backstreet Boys a lot, and he and he uh, did a lot a lot of stuff with them, obviously. Um, so like I would hear his music, uh, but I would still hear his music on the radio, and I wasn't really too big into music when I was a kid. But like I, the boy bands were my jam. Like I was really into them, uh, and so like kind of had that that like ancillary uh, relationship with Aaron Carter. Uh, it, yeah, man, it's tragic. Yeah. All right. Um, Marvel Games have announced uh, uh, a partnership with EA. So EA and Marvel are going to, are going to develop at least three games together, starting with Iron Man. That's the the kind of like a deal they've made. Yeah. So uh, Motive, who's making Dead Space, next game is Iron Man. Uh, there's been rumors for about a year that there's an open world Black Panther game uh, that's being worked on. Uh, that's this pretty much confirms that that they have three games and it works. This confirms that's probably the second one. So we're gonna have two different Black Panther games coming out in the next couple of years because there's that Captain America Black Panther World War II one. Uh, so that's great. Um, EA had, if you guys remember, EA had the Star Wars license and they didn't, they kind of screwed that up, except for maybe Jedi Fallen Order. Um, but they're in a much, EA's in a much better place now than they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. So, well, well, I think uh, this also gives me, this gives me, um, a lot more faith than that happened because that was a, uh, that was an exclusive deal. This is yeah. an exclusive. Yeah. Um, there are plenty they're of companies. out three games. Yeah. There are, there are plenty of companies that are developing other Marvel games. And, and so it kind of gives like <laughs> EA, EA incentive to kind of be more competitive. Yeah. I want to um, say rather than just kind of being like, oh, we, we put out a Star Wars game. We're the only game in town. Yeah. 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 I, I want to say after the, the horrendous debacle that was Battlefront 2 when that sucker first launched and when Disney finally stepped in. And I want to say is they probably scared EA straight. Yeah. I want to say once the, once the Dis- yeah, once the Disney execs stepped in and said stop effing up, and then EA changed their tone and their and they have earned the trust back from Disney to work on these Marvel games. So at first, I mean, not gonna lie, part of me is still kind of, but EA though. But at the same time, it's EA. They're one of the biggest game developers in the world, so they can't really. It's like, what are you gonna do? Um, but as long as hey, as long as the product's good, I'm gonna be okay with it. Because eventually, Battlefront Two did become really good. I really yeah. still enjoy Battlefront Two, and Fallen Order is really fun. I'm looking forward to the new to the next game. So. I'm staying opti- uh, hopefully optimistic. It's kind of crazy that we're we're kind of looking down the barrel of a gun, the barrel of of, of many uh, exciting Marvel games. Like even like not just the, just the ones that are announced: uh, Iron Man, the Captain America, Black Panther, Spider Man Two, like Wolverine. Wolverine, like all these games that we're kind of looking at. Like, uh, yeah, I have no reason to think these aren't just going to be like great. Yeah, I uh, uh, yeah, and the 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 thing again, you said it, Brandon, like. This isn't EA getting the exclusive rights. It's like, hey, do you guys want to make three games for us? Because we're popular. Uh, yeah, like Dead Space looks pretty good. You want to do that with Iron Man? Hell yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a while before any of these games come out, but like it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Which gives us time because you know when Spider Man Two drops, it's gonna be like, oh boy. I agree with what everyone said, and um, Ben will eventually play Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you should. You gotta play that game before the new one comes out. I do have to play that game before the new one comes out. I really do. All right. Real quickly, kind of, kind of. I I would have been bummed three years ago, two years ago, maybe. 
No, maybe not so much. The Crooked Man. Uh, the yeah. Crooked Man was going to get a, a spinoff movie in the Conjuring franchise. It is no longer. Um, we kind of, I kind of figured this was the case when there was no movement on this for like years. Um, I'm definitely not as upset about it now, knowing who's running the Conjuring franchise, than I would have been like a couple of years ago when I really wanted a Crooked Man movie. Now, my question is, we're getting The Nun 2, right? Yes. Okay, so instead of getting us another new creature, we're just going to get another, we're going to get a sequel to a bat, to a, to a fine movie. Instead yeah. of trying to do something, okay, that's fine, whatever. I, I love the, no, the Crooked Man, looks, I love his design more than The Nun, so I'm bummed about this. I won't lie, I won't lie that I like the design of The Crooked Man. I was just always like, but that was just Valak like using mm. a, a rhyme that's true that's like, true what was going to be there was also just going to be an, a, a different crooked man with the same design that like valak had adopted i guess yeah. for the for the scaring thing yeah. i did that was the one thing where i was like uh, i don't know if i need that story but okay or if it was going to be like valak had used the crooked man before i guess it could have been it, a story could be like deeper lore stuff yeah yeah, yeah it could or be or you're gonna hate the sparks i'm so sorry or the movie was a valak versus the crooked man and that's why valak uses the form of the crooked man because she absorbs him Good at night. the end of this movie oh no <laughs> the queen is back <laughs> that's a terrible idea <laughs> actually i'm i'm actually into the idea of demons fighting each other but like i, yeah. I, I you're right though like if this were two years ago i'd be a little more bummed about it Right, yeah. like if it was James Wan still still running the Crooked Man franchise, like at least I knew I was gonna get a fun. Like you, you corrected yourself. You shouldn't have the Nun is bad. I like it. Crooked, it's the Crooked Man franchise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, like the 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 Nun is a bad movie. I like it in spite of that because I think yeah. it's a lot of fun. Um, so at least I, I like at, at one point I knew I was getting. I was getting at least fun movies if they were if they weren't very good. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm kind of like, well, now I'm just gonna get a, get bland movies. So yeah. I I genuinely at this point kind of wish they'd just gone really hard, like harder on Annabelle Comes Home mm. as like the capper of the Conjuring stories. Yeah. And then just that was it. No more yeah. money. Like that that brings your your really good Annabelle creation thing and your really good Conjuring story stuff bring it together and call it a day not in the not in the world where it's a billion dollar franchise unfortunately well if it was just in someone else's hands yeah yeah uh crystal lake what this is wild talk about being in someone else's hands mm. brian fuller that's what she said brian fuller is developing a tv series on peacock peacock has a straight to order series from a 24 Based on Friday the 13th. Yeah. This is... I first saw the news, Crystal Lake prequel on development. I'm like, whatever. The creator of Hannibal is making it. Oh? <laughs> oh, word? <laughs> um, and the rights the rights with Jason are interesting because this isn't this isn't going to be uh, Jason Voorhees uh, 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 mass killer. This is prequel like about Crystal Lake and the mom and stuff. So like we're going to get... Like a really creepy, weird, like probably Bates Motel esque show about the mom and Jason growing up and how he turned into who he is. So they did, interestingly enough, say that while the movie rights are hazy, like we we know that um, the first film is now under the, under a different rights holder than the rest of the movies. So Jason Voorhees was not in the first film. Um, yeah. So the 
So Brian Fuller was like, no, we have it all. The, the television rights were a different thing. We have everything. Everything mm-hmm. Friday the 13th is available to us because we're a television show. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I still like the people are really freaking out about the idea of like, how do you do a Jason show without Jason? I'm like, y'all can't be creative at all, can you? Just <laughs> it's, it's, Especially with the creative team of like, man, Hannibal is probably like the grossest best show to ever be on a, on a cable is a cable like mm-hmm. main like a NBC. regular uh, nbc that is the grossest show that ever be on mainstream tv there's no way like that is an hbo level a crafted show on the smallest screen possible i couldn't believe it so like if he's going to be able to do that with a bigger budget on a streaming service like but with the jason world like i i'm cool with that i think it's a great great idea brian fuller has never made anything for television i didn't like yeah is he pushing daisies yep jesus what a guy yeah no like this sounds awesome he's had some bad luck recently and i really hope that changes with this um you know he had uh westeria lane which was the Munsters reboot that he was going to do that didn't end up happening he was he was he developed star trek discovery locking of years what i'm sorry Mockingbird Lane. Mockingbird Lane. Wisteria Lane. What's that? I don't Desperate know. Housewives. That's Desperate Housewives. Desperate oh. Housewives. Yeah. Cool. What are you? I just remember, like the I second. Like, you... I was like, wait a minute, that's wrong. Probably like the second you said Wisteria Lane, my brain just went straight to the the freaking uh, uh Universal, the Universal yeah Universal Studio tour because you go down that street and I'm like, wait a minute, Wisteria Lane. That's Desperate Housewives. Uh, I have. I haven't watched the Rob Zombie Monster Monsters film yet, but it's hard for me not to. When when I saw the trailers for it, it was hard for me not to think about Mockingbird Lane and how much I wish that show had gotten made. Mm-hmm. If you've seen that pilot, that pilot is exceptional. Um, and he, he was supposed to do Star Trek Discovery before it um, was. Uh, he had the left or it was taken away from him, and Alex Kurtzman stepped on board to do the full development. Yeah. Um, so. And American I- Gods. American Stepped Gods, right? He... Season one. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, he did American Gods. Yeah, yeah I hope this this works out. Which by all accounts, by all accounts, has an incredible first season, and then eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think with with the type of show this is, this is like basically creative freedom to do whatever you want, which is like an like do whatever you want that leads up to that first movie. And I'm like, yeah. cool, like yeah, dude, that sounds uh sounds gross. I'm ready. Or it could be like, um, I mean, Beats Motel is kind of a. Space Motel doesn't exactly line up with the with the movie, but it, it's close. But like, so it, it could be like a complete reinvention. Like yeah, I mean, could... it's, Base Motel definitely takes liberties, but like, I, I like if you watch that show and then like, oh, I, I could see how this. Is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could see how it works. Yeah, but like, I think I think Friday the Thirteenth could do a reinvention TV show uh, or a prequel or a sequel. Like, I there there's ways that you can do this, and with Brian Foley, like honestly, like there's no reason why I shouldn't be excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it's eight twenty four, and I don't. They don't do. I don't know if they've done too many TV shows. This would also. This they haven't also done a lot of licensed stuff. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of license work. So. That's true. Cool. Godzilla Day happened this week. I already talked about it up top. Talk about it a bit more because the big news: Toho announced a new Godzilla movie is coming out next year. It is done filming. It's done filming. Um, it, it is uh, uh, directed by. Takashi Yamazaki. There were a lot of rumors um, starting in about March that this guy was directing a kaiju film for uh, Toho, but Toho was keeping it wrapped uh, like under wraps. There were no footage leaked, no nothing. It was, it was complete secrecy. We were not sure this was going to be a Godzilla movie. Um, And to hear that it is, was really exciting that we're like, well, we, Oh, hell yeah. 
because the fandom has wanted this guy to do a Godzilla movie since he did that ride. I don't know if you guys seen the footage for the ride. Um, he there's like a new design for Godzilla, and then like Ghidorah like crawls on all four legs up at you, and um, it's a cool ride. It's a cool ride. Was this the Universal the Studios one. ride? Not the Neon Genesis one, but yes. Okay. All right. No, it's not Universal Studios. It's a different theme park, but it's not okay. the Neon Genesis. There's two Godzilla rides in Japan. Okay. Go figure. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I I love. I'm so excited to get another Godzilla movie from Toho. Yeah, and it's and it is a. It's not a sequel to the first one. It's bas- it's a, basically like a remake. Like they're going back to yeah. the 50s, and it's it's after World War II, and like Godzilla's in, like so like they're doing it again, and like I, that's awesome. Like if they. Like a year ago, whenever when they announced they're like, we're gonna do our own Toho MonsterVerse. Like, what does that mean? It's like, oh, we'll start from Godzilla and just build the universe as we, as you do. I'm like, well, okay. also, it also feels like they might have gotten away from that because it's been actually a number of years since they said they were doing that. Um, yeah. And the Reiwa era, which is kind of the era that they've deemed this in this, they've adopted Shin Godzilla, but like that era has had such a variety of different Godzillas between Shin Godzilla, the uh, Godzilla Earth trilogy um singular point um you you, and you kind of have like this people resonating with the fact that there are so many different takes on godzilla coming from this era that it might this might be an indication that this is just another one of those um it's as ryan said the the it is heavily rumored to be basically confirmed to be post world war ii 1940s japan um complete reinvention Kind of bringing it back down like a lot like what shin godzilla did but for the modern day there's a um, picture there's some pictures going online and i don't know if they're real but apparently there are leaks of what godzilla looks like and i've seen them and it looks like old school godzilla but just looks better it looks like the yeah. old old ass godzilla but just like with a better suit i'm like if that's if you're just doing that that's awesome i love it yeah i i'm uh november 3rd 2023 uh a year a, a godzilla godzilla's 69th anniversary nice um, can you can you, now now next year we are getting the sequel the next installment of the month of the monsterverse we are getting a godzilla tv series on apple tv plus and yep. we are getting this movie from japan the next year is going to be a good godzilla year guys that is, I, I mean by all accounts it is the biggest year of godzilla yeah happy early birthday to us yeah should be a should be a hell of a time i'm really excited Especially, especially if like he uses the design from that ride, the that that Godzilla ride that I really like that Godzilla design. I'm so out. into it. You should. It's a it's a cool it's a cool ride. You want to understand a thing that's happening, but it's fun. It looks cool. <laughs> I'm all for good Godzilla design. And this is going to be all CGI, um, kind of in the same way of, of Shin. Um, Shin, I think, has some suitmation work, but most of it is CG. Um, and I think this is going to be all CG. That's in fine. regards to like the monster i i i lament the days that we can't just have dudes in suits but like it works cgi looks great so i'm not mad about yeah. it uh godzilla versus gigan the second short that they released the live action one uh they uses the final war stun suit that suit needs an upgrade because that thing is falling apart <laughs> i was i was gonna say that um that's uh you know see you're right cgi can look very good but like it depends on how much you know they'll put into it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Obviously, I hope that they will. I gotta imagine this be, is gonna be a big budget. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. I, I, I mildly lament like stepping too far away from the physicality of of the actual things because, like, in my in my opinion, visually, while I enjoyed the design of like Gigan Rex and everything, I really liked the Godzilla versus Gigan short simply because I was like, I felt 
what was happening. Yes. And um, there's a weight that you just you can you just can't replicate with without having dudes in suits. Yeah, and uh, and I, I I think there's a more there's a better blend that I think we haven't found yet. Maybe this film will, maybe it won't. But like, I, I think there's a better answer than just like no suits, all CG or no CG, all suits. I, I, I'd like to think that this being you know our launching point, um, and it is a it is like you know like a like a late forties, early fifties Godzilla movie. There will be some practical, just because why 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 not why not? Who knows? We'll see. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago there was a clip roaming around from an unrelated Japanese movie um, produced by Toho? but it was a, a kind of slice of life dramedy uh, that has a dream sequence with Godzilla in it. Um, there was a, a, it's called always, always colon sunset on third street Two. It was the sequel to the, to the first one. Oh this yes. Direct, I do know what you're talking about? Yes. This director did all three of those films. And then the second one, there is an extended dream sequence where Godzilla is attacking the hometown of the main character. Right. Um, and the, so this, so this guy has used Godzilla twice in a, in a, in a, in a uh, before he gets the Godzilla movie, nice. He clearly likes him. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get more Godzilla. You're away. <coughs> cool. I think I had more to say about that, but that's fine. Casting. Uh, some casting news. Uh, Clancy Brown has been cast in Gen V, which is the the boys' college spinoff series. Oh, I was like, Whoa. I have no idea what the hell this is. But that, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it's um. We saw, we, I think we saw it behind the scenes footage a little while ago, but we have no official trailer at this point. But now we know Clancy Brown's in it, so cool. Neat. He's, he's a great dude, Mr. Krabs. The Penguin TV series has cast Kristen Milioti as uh, Sophia Falcone. Love it. I think she's great. I think that character is really cool. I love Criminals in Gotham. This is a show about Criminals in Gotham, underwater, baby. Uh, we saw. Uh, uh, she's uh, she's the mother from Homemade yes. Mother. She's from Palm um, Springs as well. Yeah, Palm Springs. Oh, that was the okay. one I was thinking of. Yes. Uh, yeah, I really like Palm, Palm Springs. I like that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. A Quiet Place Day One has cast Lupita Nyong'o in the in the lead. Oh shit! Get me excited about a Quiet Place movie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> oh, Paramount. Is it Paramount? Yeah, Quiet Place is Paramount. Mm. All right, Lupita. Let's see if this movie's good though. Star Wars: The Acolyte has cast Daphne Keene in an unspecified role, and that's exciting. That's a yep. big old cast. That's a great, great cast, man. Yeah, I love Daphne Keene. Uh, I'm glad to know where she's going after His Dark Materials airs next month. It's not. That's, uh, it's not Wolverine. That's like my second most hyped casting announcement of the week. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, oh, and I think I know what the first one is. Um. Agatha Coven of Chaos has cast a few actors. Uh, Ali On, Maria Dezia, Joe Locke from Heartstoppers, mm-hmm. and Aubrey Plaza. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, I, I guessed <laughs> wrong. You, uh, oh, yeah, it's definitely Aubrey Plaza. Oh, oh yeah. It's oh, Aubrey. It's Aubrey Aubrey Legion, Plaza. baby. Legion. Um, oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for this, but there was another one that I was more excited for. Mm. Uh, which is next? Um, yeah, uh, she's got to be playing someone witchy. And there are so many incredible, great supernatural characters that she can be in the Marvel Universe. So whoever she ends up being, I'm just glad she's here because uh, she rules. She's great on Legion. And I, I I, hope, like, oh, that was her one that was her one comic role. I'm like, no, nah, you can come back. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, she's coming back. I'm very sorry about the farting car. <laughs> I'm very excited for Opie Plaza to be in the show. I, I, I mean, look, we all love her. She's she's wonderful. Um, Super spicy. I'm really excited to see her in a in a Marvel in a Marvel show. Um, Joe Locke. Uh, it is not confirmed, and I actually don't think this is the case. Um, but a lot of people believe he's playing Wiccan, um, which would kind of go go back to some rumors that we've heard that Wiccan and Speed are in the show. Yeah, but I don't think he's playing Wiccan, although he's kind of he kind of looks like him. He 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 does have a look for it. Um, there's also a lot of like uh, Agatha has a son, so a lot of yeah. people think he might he might be Nicholas Scratch, who is her son. Um, sure. I personally lean towards that because I think it makes more sense if this is a show about her. It'll be focusing on her and her family as opposed to other people's families. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that dude looks a lot like that younger kid grown up. So like, it, either way, you know, people, I haven't watched Heartstoppers. He's apparently awesome on that show. So like, uh, great cast all around. Didn't she say yeah. the kid actor tweeted also? He did tweet like, oh, any cool, interesting news today, Winky Face? And I'm like... Yeah. Specifically, Agatha Winky Face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's like, "Oh, guys, I'm just playing. Fun. I'm just having fun." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "You know what you're doing. You're I'm just being good at this. I'm just being a little internet troll." Yeah, he's really good. That kid's funny. He's I'm just gonna stir troll. the pot. He's fun. I I hope he continues to play Wiccan because at this point, the next time we see him, who the hell knows? He'll be old enough. To To be fair, yeah. Like in a couple if years, he'll to, be a teenager. If we had to replace Abby Dean Foster, then we can replace these kids. That's true. I don't agree with that decision, though. What are you talking about? Cassie. Oh, If yeah. we can replace the talented little girl who played Cassie, then these boys are replaceable. Yeah. After they sang that terrible ice cream song. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that little girl is like the best kid in the Marvel Universe. And they, yeah. they got rid of her. That's so sad. And the thing is like, she, she, she could have pulled off the age gap at this point. By the time by the time that they were in production on Quantumania, she would have been fine. But they, they, they made the choice it. they made. It's fine. But no. Catherine Newton's cool. That little girl was real good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like she already had a chemistry with Paul Rudd. Whatever. Ant Man the Wasp was great. Go watch it. Um, Wonder Man. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is in talks to star. He's not uh, official yet. Uh, but you know, you know how these well, things yeah. go. You know what that means. <laughs> um, but Yahya Abdul Mateen II is also in, star- in talks to star as the lead character of Wonder Man. That's the one I got most excited about. I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, um, oh. man, don't forget that also Ben Kingsley is reportedly in the show too as Trevor Slattery, the actor. Uh, mm-hmm. Wonder Man is a Hollywood actor, so this this very much if Bob Odenkirk's in it, I guarantee he's probably some Hollywood dude. I doubt he's going to be a superhero or supervillain. I um, I forgot about this casting. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is awesome. And if you want Wonder Man, I think is a pretty cool character. Um, like he's obviously like not my favorite. He doesn't show up enough for me to, for him to be my favorite. But he's he's got a great presence and he has a great relationship with Wanda. Um, the fact that it's Yaya, he, that dude's fine, and like Scarlet, this, like that couple, like Vision, get out of here. Sorry, bro, you lost. Vision, <laughs> you got no chance against Yaya. You kidding he's me? Gonna, he's gonna steal that lady for sure. Yeah, like Vision, get out of here. Um, this definitely uh makes me more excited because because like you could have just casted some boring white dude. I'm like, you don't have to. You don't have to. It's great. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Nathan Fillion. So, sorry, Nathan Fillion. And you've uh, been you've been matined. You cut cameo. <laughs> Uh, Fillion, Fillion is too old to play a lot of comic book roles at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I think there would have been some pretty cool white people that they could have cast that I would have been excited for. Yeah. But I love this guy. I love this man so much. He's wonderful in everything I've seen him in. Black Manta 
Oh, he's so good at Black Manta. Um, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Oh man, I oh, I'm so excited Can, for this. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's collecting big old rolls like it's nothing. Um, and he's killing it each time. Yeah. Um and it's it's just again, it's like we hear r- rumors of a Wonder Man show. And it's like, are they really gonna make are they gonna do Wonder Man? But then you look at like, yeah, they they've done they've done everything they've done Guardians, they've done Ant Man. Like everyone's gonna get everyone's gonna get touched after a while. A Wonder Man is a bigger profile than both Ant Man and Guardians in terms of comic book status. So like He's got to show up eventually. It's, it's right. just, it's, it's, it's really cool. And if they do the Hollywood angle, like where he's a Hollywood star trying to like be a celebrity and be a superhero, um, that that especially with Yaya as the lead, like that could be super fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff they can do here. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm real happy to see Yaya Abdul Mateen there. I'm real happy to see Jonathan Majors. I question who's going to be the talented young black man who becomes T'Challa next, though. That's, I gotta watch Black Panther. That's first. gonna be the thing. Yeah. Mm. so i watched the i I didn't bring that in the week thing but i did watch the 2020 on wakanda forever um uh because we have live tv now and so it was there and i was like okay i'll watch your your 2020 discussion and there's like some nice stuff because it's you know uh, some of it's talking about chadwick boseman and with his wife and things like that and then talking about like what what the same team came back intending to do just as much culturally for mexican uh south american culture for uh namor and his people that they did for black panthers yeah. uh, telecon telecon yeah um which i think is really cool yeah uh, and that was that was a really nice look but they had this they had this part that got me which was this tease for like the before a commercial break where they're like and coming up find out why no one else will ever play t'challa and i was like <sighs> all right i mean go for it and then it's never addressed. They never say anything about it. <laughs> it doesn't come up. It never comes up. That's fine. Yeah, yeah there's definitely, I, uh... there's, there's been a lot of, because obviously the movie's coming out, a lot of interviews about Black Panther and T'Challa. And like, we, I think we, we all agree that like, Black Panther's a character who deserves, who deserves to live. Because that's what fiction, you're allowed to do that. Um, for this movie specifically, the way Ryan Coogler talks about, he, he just cannot make this movie no. without replacing T'Challa. Like, I get that. Like I get that for this movie, for the future. Yes, you know it's a, it's a different story. It's a different I story. I I also go back to you know this is Van Lathan's I think very very impassioned and reasonable argument point that he made on the Ringerverse about this, which is that he's not saying that T'Challa should have been replaced for this film. Certainly nobody was asking for that for this film, but to say that T'Challa will never be replaced, which is something that some of them have said, that T'Challa will never be recast feels like a mistake because he's like we live in the real world where we lost Chadwick Boseman we should not have to lose T'Challa also that's too much of a blow to the black community yeah. and I think that's fair yeah anyway I still think John David Washington should have been should have been been the recast I, there are there are there are still plenty of talented young black men out there I, I'm not worried mm-hmm. we'll get it T'Challa uh, but will we get it when the MC that's never going to do that I don't want to do that joke all right. Some cancellations and a renewal at the little cherry renewal on the top. Hmm. Uh, Stargirl has been canceled after season three. Also oh, going? <laughs> that, that's why it's canceled. None of us are watching it. Ben didn't even know it was on. I mean, I knew they had. I mean, we did it for the show how many years ago now? Three. Two. Two, three. Yeah. 
two, two or three, three must have been because I think I was still living at the Chino Hills at my first Chino Hills house when yeah. we did it. But I, that was like three years ago. So I'm like, all right. By, by all accounts, people like that show. I've definitely seen people repost the same fight scene over and over again. And yeah, it is a good looking fight scene. Um, that show is made and executive produced by Jeff Don. So I'm never going to watch it. Sorry. I did like how uh, there was a lot of uh, kind of love going around towards the fight scenes because i always i did appreciate the until i kind of fell off i watched a lot of that first season i did appreciate how much wire work and stunt work like the actors did for the fight scenes and um like they really they really wanted to make those fight scenes look like comic book pages and i and i thought that really came off and uh beck bressinger i believe her name is passenger yeah passenger she's wonderful i love her as star girl um like i said i just i just fell off and they introduced Green Lantern last season. I thought that was cool. Still burns my beans that we have Titans still going and Stargirl got three seasons, but Swamp Thing got one. <laughs> I wonder if that was yeah, a Zaslov that... original. That was his very first task card way back when. I was like, oh, I can get away with this? Let's do this on everything in a couple of years. Uh, you know what? I'll retroactively blame Zaslov. I don't care. Yeah, yeah <laughs> me too. I just remember when after we talked about uh, Stargirl, there's another show that shall not be named that I listened to, and then their first name was like Stargirl, best DC show ever. I'm like, uh, that is a very low bar, my guy. <laughs> well, Doom Patrol was, got, was on at the same time. Doom Patrol's the best comic book show. Um, Sorry, the... that's on TV, yeah, yeah. That's on, that's <laughs> on TV right now, yeah, yeah. Swamp Thing, uh, based on what, what he said today, what this, this week that I didn't put in the news, where Zazzle was like, yeah, we didn't cut anything that's gonna hurt us. What a rude thing to say. What a rude mm. thing to say. Yeah. I'll blame I'll blame Swamp Thing on him. I don't care. Yeah, he just everything's he just he loves a shovel and he loves digging himself deeper no matter what he says. Every, everything that Zaslav has been talking about, I just do not like this person. It makes me despise him even more. What a cruel way to look at streaming. Just like, oh yeah, we'll just replace it with better things that are gonna help us. That's not what streaming you that HBO Max needs to be the home for everything you've done. I'm sorry. Uh, everything has value. Everything deserves a pl- to be seen. Like, like that's like saying that's like saying, "Oh, Gone with the Wind doesn't add any cultural values. Let's just erase it from history forever." Because it's old. Just because it's old. Like, no, screw you. Everything deserves to be seen. It's all art. It's all out there. Like you the, can't erase like, it. That's like the point I really, of service. It's like it's all there for you. I really want to make a John Oliver style. I do not like that man David Zaslav poem like he does with Ted Cruz a lot. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. We need to that's really want to do it because I. That's right. We don't have time because I do not like that man to David Zaslav at all. I don't think any of us do. Anybody here watch Tuca and Birdie? Nope. Wasn't well, that Netflix original? It's canceled. It's Adult Swim. It's Adult Swim. Oh, okay. It's canceled. Oh. It was adult, it was Adult Swim and moved to Netflix. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Adult Swim canceled it. So oh. Zaslav. I'll blame him. I don't care. I never saw the show, but I'll blame him. Yeah. I remember um, when it was, I thought it was canceled at one point in time. And then maybe Netflix picked it up again. And they're like, yay, Tuco and Birdie saved. And yeah, I don't know. It's something like that. Yeah. 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 Something um, like that. I just remember it was on Adult Swim. It was popular, but they canceled it. And then it was picked up again. And now they cancel it again. So season three. That's Animation. Nice. Animation's in a bad place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And Westworld was canceled after season four yeah um and like the ratings are not what they used to be like like everyone knows that uh the the real shitty thing is uh season four ends on a mega mega cliffhanger 
where season five is going to be like the wrap up of the entire four year story. Like everything is culminating to this. Uh, and then we're still going to get the ending. Uh, and even though I loved Westworld season four until the ending, I think the ending's bad. I think the cliffhanger is incredibly interesting. Um, and it's just, it's really disheartening that like, you can't just give them the finale. Like, even if it's not like your highest rated show, it's not like it's like, it's not like the worst show on TV. Like the worst season of Westworld is still better than a lot of TV shows in my opinion. And again, importantly, this being kind of like the Glow situation when Glow was canceled, the actors are all under contract. They are still having to pay them for the season. They're still going to get those millions, baby. So, so since they're already still having to put the money into it, it's all the more like, why are you, why not just make the last season? Yeah. And Glow was the same. Glow was its last season yeah. was the one that they were going to make. It, it remains like, just do the damn thing. And, what, are you, what, what are you doing? And by all accounts, again, we're not, we're not going into spoilers, the final season of Westworld, would, would, it would be scaled back and it would be like season one again, where it's all back in the park and dealing with personal stuff again. That was the trajectory. It was blowing out to blow back in. <coughs> um, and now we're just not going to... This one really pumped me out. Because um, like, people don't like season two. The show, if you're going to cancel the show, you should have done it after season two. Season three is better. You should have done it then. But like it's Zaslav now here, and he's like, "Oh, a show. The season's actually pretty okay. Cancel it. Like, God damn it." Yeah, he's kind of he. I mean, we talked about it before. Zaslav's kind of hard line at like, "What have you done for me lately?" Like, it doesn't matter. All he sees, oh, ratings dipped. I can I can save some money if I do this, which he's not actually saving that much money. What he's saving some of the budget production the production budget. He's got to pay all those people. Yeah, and I have to imagine all those Westworld sets have been built for years. Like, they keep going to the same places. No, they'd have to rebuild the original park set because that was the one that burned down in oh, season three. Oh, that's right. So they'd I, have to rebuild it. I forgot all about that. That Yeah. Damn, that sucks. That's what did yeah. it. This, yeah, this one, this one's a super big bummer because uh, Westworld is one of my favorite shows. Like, season one is one of the greatest pieces of television ever made. And, like, I will always have that. So I'm happy at least I got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked honestly but here's the cherry on top the sandman was renewed for season two yay i'm happy to see that i know neil gaiman is um by all accounts mm -hmm. i have not started the show yet but i'm happy to see that it, it it did well enough to get that second season i'm happy to see that too i'm happy to watch that show i'm looking forward to it Netflix hesitating this long makes me lack confidence in the longevity of it because like, I, I feel like it, Netflix has shown that it's kind of arbitrary how many people are watching a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nervous that like, yes, we'll come back for season two and then Netflix will decide. Yeah. Okay. But that was it. Though. And that's, and that's really expensive too. So mm, yeah. <sighs> like if I mean, those numbers don't bump up, like because I... they didn't seem to have confidence in it enough to say so when they knew people were asking about it. It's true. Makes me hesitant that they'll they'll greenlight more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. It is it is kind. Of, you kind of look at that thinking like, oh well, it's a, um, it's going to be kind of a fight every season because the numbers have to be so high to yeah. get Netflix to think that it's worth it to keep going. I'm really glad that there's just so much this year, which is one of the reasons I haven't touched Sandman yet. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm really glad that that show got made, that, that everyone seems to really care about the material. A great cast seems to be behind a good crew. Um, I wish that show were pretty much anywhere else but Netflix. Oh, yeah. I guess I not know. at HBO either, uh, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. But um, pretty much anywhere else but those two, uh, because Ooh, I would maybe? have more confidence that it would have its 
full support and life get to run. Yeah. Maybe a Hulu. Or a Paramount Plus. Or Paramount, yeah. Ooh. Exactly. my language. <laughs> All right. Uh, trailers. Tea talk. Tea talk. Uh, tea talk. The Eternal Daughter. Tilda Swinton and Tilda Swinton. Yeah, this looks like an A24 movie. Yeah, oh, totally. The second I saw the A24 logo, I'm like, oh shit, here we go again. It's also, it looks like it's shot with like a camera from 1999, <laughs> which is very interesting. It's got a really unique, like old look to it that I really like. Uh, it just seems like a spooky mom and daughter go to a, go to a place and it gets spooky kind of movie. Tilda Swinton's playing double duty, which it took me a little se- a little while as I was watching this trailer. It's like, is that Tilda Swinton's playing the mom and the daughter? It's like, oh shit, it is. V- very apparent. Just the second I saw it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I, I caught it. I feel like it. she's wearing a lot of makeup. But what I what I what I was really surprised. Well, not surprised. What I was really kind of what I noticed was that watching the trailer, I already saw kind of how good Swinton is it is at differentiating the two playing them as two separate people so that when you watch it you could conceivably forget that it is still the swinton as both characters um i i thought that was very apparent in the trailer and that kind of got really piqued my interest i was like oh but i this could be really cool to watch yeah i'll definitely check it out when it hits a streamer for sure mm-hmm. all right um this isn't technically a tra- the real trailer but zootopia plus yeah, this was weird. Yeah. I I have nothing really. I know to say. you've already. Right. I know you've already made note of it. I think it, the most notable thing about this is that this this is like a third party, very bizarre release trailer, and this is coming out this week, and they have not been promoting it. Yeah, it's really weird. I, I didn't I was... know until I opened up Disney Plus the other day, and they had Zootopia at the front. And they said Zootopia Plus comes out November 9th. and I was like, it does. <laughs> I had the same same thought. I really uh, when I opened up Disney Plus, I'm like, oh, okay. And I just went to Willow. It it feels like it's like an anthology almost. It, it, it does. Is. Uh, oh, it is. Okay. It is. They told us that yeah. from the start. Oh, I don't. I don't. Uh, to be perfectly it's, honest, I mean, I like the original Zootopia movie fine. I don't know if I'm like raring to dive back into it. Oh, but here's the thing. Here's why I want to put this one on here. Sorry, I'm getting a little heated because actually this really ticks me off because I don't understand. Zootopia is great. I love Zootopia. I think Zootopia is an amazing, an amazing movie. I would love to watch more in that world. And so seeing short vignettes set within the movie, set before the movie, set after the movie, cool. Really into that. Love it. It's coming out on Wednesday. Where's the damn trailer? You know what that probably Something. means? It might mean it's really bad. <laughs> and like that, that even if it, even if it is, the fact that I stumbled on what is essentially a bootleg third-party trailer for the show that comes out on Wednesday that is, that is set in one of your most popular movies was insane to me i was like what yeah especially what are we doing especially when like the baymax version of this got like three um because that's essentially it's like in that same avenue of mm-hmm. like you know Shorts uh, and stuff. yeah yeah what they were doing this is the disney film studio making this sh- these shows um i i agree but like to, to your point of like well maybe it's just that bad and i'm like it can't be worse than pinocchio like <laughs> you know, like like it can't be. Um, no, and, and like they'll promote the crap out no. of anything. Like it, it's very weird that they're not. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this because I think the world of Zootopia is very clearly fleshed out and very vibrant and very full. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that we'll be able to go into more corners of that world, uh, I'm super excited for. I have no doubt. Like Disney, Disney and Pixar both excel at their shorts. Mm-hmm. They they almost always are a hit um, because they know how to do good talented beautiful looking short 
animation storytelling. So I have no doubt these will be enjoyable. It's just very bizarre that they're not promoting it. It is really weird. Mm-hmm. Very strange. And that that honestly the only reason why I put this on here to kind of point out like this is the only look of this show that we've ever gotten. Yeah. And it's coming on a Wednesday. That's so that's crazy. That Disney's usually market the shit out of everything. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with something like Zootopia, you would think there would be like more marketing and more like hey here's what's going to happen and then we just even had when disney I... plus day right we just had yeah. disney plus day where was why, why not release a trailer then like the the trailer we all watched that was like the slurp one right yes yes yeah because yeah, i saw that i was like okay this is weird maybe there's an official one and i couldn't find an official one. i'm like what the hell i thought i was like either there was a glitch or something happened and i'm glad that this is the one we all watched because i watched like two different ones for the same footage one with talking and what with just musical notes so i'm like what the hell is going on here if you if you go to the zootopia plus like page on this on the disney website it literally says coming to disney plus in 2022 nothing else it comes out on right. no trailer there's nothing what? on this page what is the deal why are it, why is this happening that's a, bl- that's a blank page y'all <laughs> what's going it, on okay it's just so weird yeah. anyway Unless unless something else comes out on Wednesday that they're trying to just like bury it, but like, why would you bury Zootopia? Like, watch that trailer is going to drop tomorrow. Like yeah, a proper trailer is going to drop tomorrow. Probably because yeah. we're getting a Glass Onion on Monday, so Monday is usually when they reveal trailers. But that's like two days. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Not only that, uh, God of War comes out on Wednesday. Hey, kids, go watch Zootopia while Dad's playing God of War. Are you kidding me? That nine-year-old's playing God of War with me. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> <laughs> this, it's very it's it's very intuitive boy get me a soda exactly boy intensifies <laughs> boy intensifies boy right. intensifies troll this looks awesome yes. this does <laughs> yeah this this reminded me of like yo what if europe had their own king kong right like yeah it just it looks like it looks very similar to a king kong godzilla movie um or maybe like you know he's not gonna end up being that bad he's just a monster trying to live um, oh and it's multicultural, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, yeah, this looks Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. This looks a very, very good. Love it. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked for this for this movie. Um, I, I I like the first trailer, but man, that was I was I vibing with this trailer like crazy. I thought I thought the, some of the stuff we saw the, the troll looks incredible. Yeah, uh, the scale of that thing is awesome. Well done. A uh, guy who made Tomb Raider. I know other things, but like, I only saw Tomb Raider. Um, wild! I'm so stoked for this. I really like the use of in the hall of the Mountain King for this trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did a no, the music, it. yeah, make yeah. it spooky. Yeah, it's it like hardcore gave me 1998 Godzilla vibes because you got the lady and she's looking at the foot, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, she's Nicopolis. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, honestly, the, I'm so glad. Foot stepping over the person. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually glad that someone else caught that because when I was watching that, I was like, "This is giving me '98 Godzilla vibes," but I'm actually like very intrigued yeah. with the this house movie. is is the submarine that lands on shore. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. looks, it looks very good. It does look good. Man, the lead up to Godzilla to Godzilla showing up in that movie is really cool. It is. All right, anyway, yeah, I'm super stuck for this. Disenchanted. I'm actually very excited for this movie. I. I was I was excited with that first trailer, but I am more excited now knowing where the trajectory of like she's she's becoming evil without knowing like she's mm-hmm. becoming an evil stepmother. I think that idea is awesome. Love it. I no the second this trailer ended, I'm like, oh, I'm all for this. 
I am all for this story. I am ready to go. I'm, it's weird. Enchanted was one of those like pop culture things or phenoms that happened in the in the late thousands where I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a thing. But now I'm just like, oh no, I want to see this happen. I want to see this progress. Let's go. I love Enchanted. I've been dying for a sequel. Um, I like. I mean, and I kind of knew what they were doing from the first trailer, and I like the first trailer a lot. In this one, I, I didn't like this trailer as much as I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that I thought I think the first one's a better trailer. It got me, it got me a lot more hyped um, than this one. But I do like kind of seeing like, you know, she kind of got the life she wanted, but now having moved to this new area, things are so different, and she can't really cope. And so she's like reverting back to who she was uh, prior to the first film. I think that's I think that's that's really cool. But other than that, there was something about this trailer, I just didn't it just didn't feel like it was edited well. I'll agree with you. I don't think it's a better trailer, but it gave me more of the story, which I needed to be more secure in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, go ahead, Ben. No, I was gonna say the line that made me really get hyped for it was when Giselle talks to my Rudolph's character and says, "There's only room for one villain in the story." I'm like, "Oh, sh- yes!" I don't know why, but that just like triggered something. It's like I want a villain showdown. I want this to happen. Let's 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 see these two ladies go at it. I'm they ready. Love bad bitches. I relate. I I do too. Um what stood out to me for for me about this trailer is that i was always kind of sad that disenchanted was going to disney plus instead of to theaters Mm -hmm. and i felt like it was gonna it was gonna somehow be lesser than the first one was but i'm happy to see with this trailer that it's just it has just as secure a budget if not more than the original did Mm -hmm. maybe with the only difference being like there was a lot of on location in new york shooting in the original and certainly there's not the same amount of on location oh, yeah. stuff here yeah. um, but otherwise like everything's measuring up even like we see a little bit of andalasia fully animated and it looks great like they didn't s- skip around on that mm-hmm. um i'm really happy to see that uh that it feels like it truly will match up to enchanted yeah yeah uh, i'm glad all the original cast you know they're all back i love to see james marsden sing like you guys always sing as often as we can like yeah. i it's um <laughs> i like i don't it's not i don't like love enchanted but like i'm happy to revisit it like I, I like I, I need more Amy Adams in in, in movies. Is what I'm I'll definitely sure. give this. I'll give it, and I'll probably give Enchanted a rewatch before I watch Disenchanted. I really like the line where he's just like, uh, "Last week, we, the whole city was in a was in a, a giant whale. Um, yeah. The whole kingdom <laughs> yeah. last year, the whole kingdom last year was just in a giant whale. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. I love the squirrel that turns into the cat uh, yes. because of I'm the trope evil, he's falling into. I'm not an evil um, cat. I'm not an evil cat. <laughs> What was I gonna say? Oh, it's gone. Oh well. Poof. Disney Plus coming yeah. soon. Oh, I think oh, it's... Disney Plus. Um, uh, uh, if this were Zaslav, if Zaslav was running Disney Plus, this movie would never have gotten made. Um, well, because that's true. He he, you know he he's all like, oh the you know, anytime we get to rag on Zaslav, um, big budget big budget movies don't belong on streaming services; they belong in theaters. And I'm like, mm-hmm, it right. would have been made but not released. Tax yeah, I, I think it's very colorful. Um, yeah. And I really, I really am I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy that it looks like Enchanted again. Yeah. Yeah. Avatar, the way of water. I'm really happy that it looks like Enchanted again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do we think about this one? I'm, 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 I'm here for it. Like, it's, I'm a, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not like more excited. 
like it, it looks really good i'm just i'm because they're still not showing us like what the whole movie is so like they're showing us like really pretty shots and i'm like i know the movie looks pretty i know the movie looks pretty um it's not the part of the movie that you're yeah I'm, that's not the part i'm worried yeah, about yeah, yeah. I, are we doing pocahontas 2 again is what i'm kind of wondering um but like no like it definitely doesn't seem like it's pocahontas 2 yeah, yeah. i don't see them having <laughs> taken her back to no the i know, I know. <laughs> no it, it make is, her go to parties and separate her from no, john smith it is very much like there's an underwater version of the navi and like they're gonna try to team up with them to help take out the humans but also humans are now becoming avatars because we know Stephen lang's character shows up in this movie and he's an avatar and he crushes his own skull that's him crushing his own skull defeating his own humanity and becoming an avatar that is the coolest shit I'm so excited for that character because, like, he's so badass in that movie. I will say I was very surprised by how little footage there was of the human the boy. Kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, this, in this trailer, the fact that that's almost an entirely omitted storyline from this trailer, I'm like, yeah, this movie's stuffed. Um, it's for over three hours I long. Think yeah. I, I'm I'm excited by the the aesthetics of it. I really love the marine world stuff. Um, I'm a little weirded out by Sigourney Weaver's voice. Um, <laughs> But I'm really, I'm really into the entire marine world aesthetic. I think I would feel remiss just because I've seen the conversations happening um, of what some feel is an amount of appropriation of Samoan tattoo representation on yeah. some of the Navi uh, in friends. the way that it's being done. Yeah. Um, now I'm not familiar with everybody who's in the cast, who you know, if what race they are, but there's certainly a concern of like white playing indigenous proxy so james cameron specifically hired a bunch of people who are indigenous and and not white to play a lot of these there are some white people yes but a lot yeah. but that was a big thing happening on twitter and people were like no look at the cast list a lot of these people are not white so which like is, that is something that like don't be don't be worried about that part. which is great yeah. um and i that that is one of the points yeah. but the but the the use of the the tribal tattoos some feel is um very God, they had better words for it than yeah. I have right I mean, now. But, but yeah. very, very, very much for um, uh, playing to, in a mean way of me saying it, playing to a woke aesthetic, trying to get people more on board with something they've embraced in other places thanks to care, uh, performances by p people like Jason Momoa or Dwayne Johnson, um, where that has become more and more frequent to see people with those in film than it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and putting that onto the Navi, was that something that they should have done? And I think that there's an amount of a discussion for that. To, and certainly not us to have necessarily yeah, because yeah. we are for white dudes who that does not pertain to. But I do think it's important that that's out there because there's still an amount of like, how much does James Cameron's film appropriate on indigenous culture without referencing it directly or Absolutely. without um, honoring it directly? Yeah. And uh, that was certainly a problem that a lot of people had with the first Avatar. And I think there will still be some of that controversy spilling over into this one, even with uh, actors of the appropriate yes. race cast into the roles. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is not this is not me pushing what you're saying. This is me yeah. just adding to it. Yeah. What I'm going to say next. Zoe Saldana is a lead. And Laz Alonzo from The Boys was also an Avatar as a lead. So, like, there are multiple people of color who are leads in Avatar and people that seem to forget that. Uh, again, that's not me saying that they there are white people in there and like having white people with dreads, which is something that's going to be in this movie. That's that's another conversation. Um, but like James Cameron is a better filmmaker than others in terms of those kind of aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, can always be better though, you know. James Cameron's heart is always in the right place. I think yeah. um, he he's a very sincere like wants to save like he's a very sincere environmentalist. Like 
quite frankly. Like he he is he is um Avatar is made because he's an environmentalist. Like it's not he's not trying he's trying to push the agenda of being better about our to our planet. That's it's what Avatar passion project, is. yeah. Um and like going and like that's all these Avatar films are going to be is that he's trying to get us to learn to better respect our planet. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it looks uh, looks looks incredible like see, people complain about cgi you guys are nuts you guys are truly nuts are you watching are this in 480p <laughs> people are complaining about the cgi are blind um like well, quite frankly like the cgi is incredible um the movie looks gorgeous i am stupid excited for james cameron films don't care what they are quite frankly um so like i just kind of that feeling has kind of come with me into avatar 2 um i like the first avatar a lot but like Avatar 2, um, I'm hoping for something really great, Mr. Cameron. Um, I I really liked what we saw of kind of this, like, there are new, obviously there's new humans in this um, that have like come to Pandora or were already on Pandora. Um, and there's a new kind of human Navi war that's kind of brewing under the surface. And, and they have come to the... Uh, aquatic navi to to ask for their help um i'm into that i like that i like sparks i love the, the look of the marine life i think that that looks really cool there's there's like a kamehameha wave that <laughs> pushes a whale out in this trailer that sigourney weaver's character does i really wish they never told us that was sigourney weaver i wish they'd waited to tell us till after the movie came out yeah it because is because I, agree. I look at that character with far different eyes now, knowing it's a 70, 80 year old woman playing a 14 year old girl. Yeah. Um, and she's doing press tours talking about it too. Yeah. I was like, and like, you're not hiding it. She could have been like, and like they, they shouldn't, they, they announced that it was happening and like they, like they could have kind of played it off like flew the Borg and, and the suicide squad just saying he's the star of the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like they could have played it off that they, she's talking about the role without talking about what her role actually is in the movie. Um, and we learned that we just, I've been seeing her. I think the look of that girl is incredible. Uh, could they not work on the voice a little bit more? It's, it's not bad. It's not, it's clearly not just her natural voice. It is, it is, it is a higher pitch, but it just kind of feels like she's doing an impression and not like she's a 14 year old girl. I, I have to imagine I mean, we're only a month out, so like, it's not like they're going to fix it. But, like, I have to imagine when we get the full movie instead of just little spurts, because we got very, very, very little, to be honest, if we're actually talking. Mm -hmm. um, it did sound weird, but like, I, I think in context and everything, I think it'll work out. Because I, I trust, I trust Jimmy, Jimmy Cam. There, you're, you're right. There is an amount of like, we could be looking at this film, like looking at the film. She, she has kind of the most substantial dialogue line in the trailer, but looking at the film as a whole, it could become. Not necessarily a Stockholm syndrome, but it could it could work better in the context of the of the full feature film. Um, I hope that's I hope that's the case. I don't I'm not I'm not saying it as like a negative. I just no, I, I was surprised at how much of modern Sigourney Weaver was in that voice. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So I'm just glad I can't wait. Yeah. I I agree with a lot of what you guys uh, said. I want to point out just two other things. Um, one I think is super cool, which is. Uh, that James Cameron has included everyone from the writer's room uh, for story credit. For all the film, movies, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really great. So all their names are up there, which is really nice because as many have pointed out, like most won't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and as far as like what I was bringing up earlier, um, 
my main thing is that it uh, what I'm hoping for is that the, it that the film is good and then that it's received well enough where um, if there are those controversies what we could see is is that if we are to get a third potentially fourth and fifth as well <clears throat> that Cameron can include more of people coming in to to further make it representative of their own what they want to see in it um, what what kind of culture they can actually place into it because like it's a fictional thing but it is playing with the aesthetics of something that's I mean look at Neymar that is based on our real life yes yeah. exactly um and and do something like that so if those controversies do exist I hope they have the opportunity with future ones to uh bring more people in to improve upon this that that part of it yeah all right okay that's it anything else you want to bring up looks pretty Ben you need to watch that Sonic Frontiers prologue all right okay let's... bye <laughs> Move into our main topic. We're talking about 1988's Lucasfilm classic, Willow, starring Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, others. Others. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Hey, look, this movie came out in 1988, but full spoilers if if you yeah, care. We are we said up up top, but if you're only watching, I think that's. I think that's a fair claim because there's going to be a lot of people watching this movie because of that show coming yeah, out. Soon. Yeah, there's there's a show and, coming out. Uh, there. And I, I think there's going to be a fair amount of people who get a little bewildered. <laughs> um, who has never seen this movie before? Me. So just the top two. Okay. Um, I, see, uh, I see every movie. I, I saw it I got so no long ago, it was practically like watching it do. No, same. Yeah. I watched it when I was like 10. So I, I remembered. Movie far less of this movie than I thought I did. I'd appropriated some parts of a different movie into this movie and created sequences that apparently didn't happen. I definitely think I have been mixing up Willow, Dark Crystal, and Labyrinth my entire life. Now that I've seen them all relatively recently, I'm like, okay, you're all a different. <laughs> I bet I've definitely been putting pieces of Merlin into this movie. Oh, Sam Neill Merlin? Yeah. Hell yeah. She's got the, you remember, she's got the voice like this. You're watching this movie. Where the hell is Sam Neill? No, it wasn't anything that egregious, but like, like, like small, small things, small sequences where I'm like, I think that might've been Merlin now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're, we're talking about this because the new show is coming. Lucasfilm now only exclusively does TV shows um, for the time being. Um, but, but they did this movie and I think it's the only movie that Lucasfilm produced that I hadn't seen. Um, so how do we want to start with this? Um, I, the did way we usually it? do, which is, uh, what did you think of it, Brandon? Well, I wasn't sure because we do that for new movies, not old ones. Um, but I really liked this. I really liked this. I thought this was a blast. Um, I love the oh, I love this, the visual effects in it. Um, especially have a more appreciation for the visual effects, having seen ILM, uh, the Light and Magic documentary. Um, I... I really, I really like this. And after this, I watched the TV show and I got really hyped for that TV show. Oh, the trailer? Oh, the trailer. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. We did too. You're like, oh, they're there, they're there. They're that trailer back. looks real good. That trailer in now with context looks hella good. Yeah. Uh, I really like this movie. I, I'm going to call it really good, not great. Uh, I think it's probably like 30 minutes too long. Uh, it definitely has some pacing problems for me. But yeah, the special effects um, and the characters really carry this movie for me. I think Warwick Davis is super charming. Val Kilmer is the most charming he's maybe ever been. He's so he's so fun in this movie. Um, I think the brownies don't need to be there half the time. They're pretty annoying. Um, 
Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not for me. They overstay their welcome. I think they overstay their welcome. They didn't need to be in the entire movie. Otherwise, I had a really good time. I um, uh, With these older movies, you know, like, do they hold up? Uh, I think this one mostly does. Yeah, ben, I'd fall in a lot of... I'd fall I in might a be... Oh, go ahead, Ben. I might be the one outlier where I don't think it's a bad movie, but I'm not totally in love with it. But also, after seeing the trailer, I'm more excited for it now because I'm looking forward to the to the TV show, and I'm glad I'm glad I did see this movie. Um, I would after I was done watching it, I was talking with Fanny, and I said this is probably one of those movies that if you grew up watching it, kind of like Never Ending Story, you would absolutely love it. Whereas, yeah. I would definitely say it's good, but maybe some of the magic has lost on me now that I'm older, and I've been not not just because like, we. There were times where we were watching, it's like, wow, you could definitely tell that these were older special effects, but it's like, but wait, this is 1988. At the time, these were groundbreaking special effects, so I can't oh, be yeah. too Dude. harsh on it. I can't be Dude, too harsh I'm on not, it. I'm not, I'm not kidding you when I, because I know you haven't seen the documentary. That morph effect with the witch was mm-hmm. a groundbreaking special effect at the time that had never been attempted before. And, mm-hmm. and they, they completely created new technology and a new way to make that look. And it like changed cinema forever, like quite oh. frankly. ILM okay. is very good about changing that change yeah i mean you could definitely yeah but once again you could definitely tell that this is older but still like seeing the size comparison it's like that's still really i still think it's really cool seeing how like the brownies with willow i'm like that's actually still really good effect for 19 i mean this is once again 1988 this has never been done before so i still i still like the movie i do agree it's way too long it is it took super it was like oh my god but i do like seeing val kilmer in it i thought um, I enjoyed Val Kilmer a lot, especially how his teeth got better throughout the fi- as the film kept going. <laughs> He's wiping the dirt off. <laughs> yeah, like his teeth are just disgusting when you first meet him, and then it just keeps going on and on. Um, there were some campy bits of it, but other than that, I still I liked it. Um, yeah, I I lean in the the Ryan direction. I think it's a little long. Um, <clears throat> I liked it though. Uh, I I think that you know. Uh, perhaps Ben is correct. You know, there's another one of these uh, blind spots of his for the late '80s, early '90s, where he just missed the boat and therefore can't get on board. Um, is possible, but uh, I, I think it mostly holds up pretty well. Uh, as as just a story, there's there's some bits where I I think Willow's arc is slightly un unpolished uh and uh i think that that did a greater disservice to the film upon watching it as an adult than i ever cared about or noticed as a child um because i i felt like <coughs> in no in no small way i kind of felt like willow's movie got taken away from him part way into the film and it, it bothered me more upon watching it as an adult and that's that's one of my bigger problems outside of the length but otherwise, I still really like it. I like a lot of special effects. I agree with Ryan that the, the, the brownies just needed to go at a certain point. Um, but we'll get into it. Um, I do mostly want to, positive. I do want to push push back a little bit on on on. And now, Ben, if you over exaggerated, that's fine. But you said it was way too long. I don't think it is way too long, personally. I know you guys have mentioned the length. I don't. I do think it might be 
15 minutes too long, maybe, maybe 30. I don't know if I'm willing to say that, but I do think the pacing in the beginning is a lot slower than the pacing in the second half of the film. The second hour really trucks a lot, like really oh, starts yeah. moving. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and in fairness, like that's where I started to really get into the movie because the, I, there is a, there is a good hour probably that kind of moves at a really, at a pretty slow pace. And some more movies than not at the, at the time had a pacing like that, but then as the movie goes on, the pacing went faster, and I, I was I was far more interested in the second half than the first half. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. No, I actually completely agree with you. Like the first half of the movie, that's where I really felt the trudging. I would say because it's like a two hour, two and it's not a two and a half hour. It's like two a, and a change. Two, yeah, two, two and, and change. change. I would say this would be a lot better as like maybe one thirty five, one forty. Like if you could just like trim trim the fat of the first half because right i want to say once they found Raziel, then and they go to the mountaintop camp that's when i really started paying attention well i was paying attention but that's when i was really starting to get more invested with it like it takes when, too long to get to yeah. where we need to be i think i don't I, go ahead sorry like one thing is like we see through a whole bunch is how good mad mardigan is with a sword and then you finally see how good he is with because he's you finally, when he finally gets a sword in his hand at the very top in the mountain in the snow camp, then I'm like, oh, okay, he's not just talking shit. He actually is really good with the with the blade. Flipping swords left and right. Yeah, I was like, where's this? Like, where's this amazing swordsman we've been promised like the, for the past forty five minutes? I don't see it. I just see like a bumbling idiot who's trying to get out of um, being in. Well, I think uh, helping a wife do with infidelity and blah blah blah. I think that's the uh, that's the art. That's like the that's like the thing though. It's like. He, he he jokes that he's the greatest swordsman yeah. in the world. Then you see yeah. him like, oh, you actually are. So I think I that doesn't have I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Ben's starting to change topics, so I want to go back to what he was initially talking about, which is like trimming the length. And I'll say like what I think it fundamentally is is that it just takes a little too long to get to Val Kilmer. I don't think any of the mm-hmm. movie is too slow after we get to Val Kilmer. I think it's all fine. What I do think is that only Willow and Migosh should have left the village, not yeah. the whole party that we're going to end up ultimately just parting with anyway. I did that. That ultimately became kind of silly and pointless and we didn't need to do it. Yeah. Is it, um, is it bad? It feels like it's there to pad the idea of how far they traveled more than it is anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't need it. Yeah. Is it wrong for me that I was wondering, like, cause you guys know, I've never seen this movie before that, but when we got a burgle cut, like when he's part of the party, is it kind of is it wrong for me that I was hoping that something was going to happen and he was going to die during the journey? Because no, I thought I mean, like, all no, of, he's a bad guy. He's a shitty yeah. guy. Yeah, no. Yeah, because I thought all of it's weird because I thought that they're all of them were going to go on like this Lord of the Rings esque journey where some of them aren't going to make it back. And I was like, I would love it if the guy either turns traitor and gets his comeuppance later, or he dies in this stupid way. I I, I agree. If the, if they would have stuck with all of them and they slowly lose their party as I go, I think yeah. it would have been better. But like we meet a bunch of people and then we just leave them behind for no real yeah. good reason. And then because when, like, okay. when they bounce, I'm like, oh, that's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. I'll be it's, I'll it's, be I'll, this is a good spot to say what I what, what I was gonna say was that like I spent the whole movie thinking the village was destroyed. Because there's these people that show up. There's these people that show up. Oh, the baby's with this village. Go check it out. And so, like that's it's like, oh, they know they know about the village. So I I kept waiting the whole movie for the shoe to drop of them of them coming to the village and it being destroyed. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not seeing the wife in this in the sequel series. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought interesting because because like it, that didn't cross my mind at all. And it might have been just because I knew they went back to the village at the end. 
Well, but yeah, but know. like I I had no idea. So like No, I get it. I get it. I just I did I I I don't know if as a kid I ever had that read. That's too long ago. So I just I that never entered my brain. When Migosh and Willow were going back to the village, I was thinking to myself, like, this is where they're gonna find their entire home in ruins. Mm-hmm. Everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh shit, we gotta go back and get her. Cause yeah. that's like there's gonna be like this heartbreaking lament. There's gonna be like, no, I need to save her. She was that was the one thing my wife's told me to do when I messed it up. And then they're gonna go try and find Meg Morgan and yada yada. But then it's like, nah, Brownie show up, and then it's just like, nope, you gotta go. I was like, I, I don't know why I was looking forward for the village to be destroyed. I'm kind of glad it wasn't at the end. Cause I want to be clear, I wasn't looking forward to it. I just kind of expected <laughs> it to happen. Just, <laughs> just for whatever reason, I just yeah. I just kept thinking to myself like, oh, when am I gonna find out the village was destroyed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like by uh, the by the end of the movie, like I realized we're coming to the end. I'm not thinking like, oh, they're gonna get there and the village is gonna be destroyed. What a horrible ending for this yeah. happy fantasy movie. I just I just kind of spent a lot of the movie thinking like, so is that. That's what happened, right? Yeah. If I'm being, I'm changing the topics unless you yeah. guys want to say. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, if I'm being very critical of the film, not great at its uh, female arc for Swarsha. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Largely because we get a, a man uh, saying that she's going to turn on you someday. She would mm-hmm. never. And then yada 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 she's constantly evil constantly evil he has his love potion moment with her and that i guess makes her look at him differently and then she decides you know what yeah i'm gonna go with that feeling i'm gonna go with getting laid um (laughs) i guess there's just so little given to her or present and and it kind of threw me because i in my brain i anticipated like i was certain that there had been some like kind of picture like um uh, Han and Leia in Empire Strikes Back on the Falcon scene mm-hmm. uh, between Sorsha and, and Morgan and the fact that there wasn't really kind of threw me for a loop that there wasn't some like more bonding scene not only just between her and him but also her and Willow um, yeah her, her turn is like very immediate and yeah. like it, yeah it's kind of just like at, almost out of nowhere because um, they don't they don't like show that she's that she has good in her really at all She's not a damsel in distress character, but she's just as shallow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I like, and I knew the art. Like, even without remembering the movie, I knew, I saw the art. Like, she was going to join their side. But I was hoping that, like, she would feel conflicted or she didn't like. She was just as bad as everyone else until she decided just not to be. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Val Kilmer's magic kiss. I mean, Val Kilmer's a It doesn't even seem like it's that what it really is because, like, he doesn't, he doesn't kiss her first she pulls him in for the kiss. What it really seems like happens is that they're in the fight in the castle and then Mint Morrigan kicks another guy in the face and she's like, wow, he kicked like I kicked. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then she decides I'm going to pick him up and kiss him. I like the way he fights. Yeah. Um, there was, I was kind of like, yeah, you, you get the love potion or the love dust thing. And then like when they're on the horses and when she breaks free, I was kind of hoping for, I don't know if this is me trying to correct the film and make it a little bit better, but obviously she's like, yeah, you're saying all this stuff and you're now you're saying you're not, this isn't true. And she breaks away and then they actually fight. And then she realizes, oh, I've met my match. This this guy's actually a really good sword fighter. And then you still slowly but surely start seeing that she gains respect for him. And then there could be more talks with Willows. Like, no, we need to save this baby because your, your mom is doing some really bad shit and you know she's doing bad shit. Why are you doing this? And then, yeah, because her turn is just kind of like a, I'm good now. Yay. Yeah. Or hello. Zuko here. <laughs> Not um, like that, but it's it's very 
I will say, like, on the note of Sorsha, like, it is the one part I do like is that she she is the one who has agency. She initiates initiates the first kiss. Mm-hmm. It was something I I appreciated that she's the one that picks him up and pulls him in, um, rather than than it being something he does. I'm like, oh, it's her like her one clean moment of like female agency. Yeah, yeah. Well, he does kiss her in the tent. Like he cuts the tent down. Then you see her. It's like a a very quick thing. Like he goes in for a kiss, but it, it's like the the drape falls down. But you're right. She does pick him up later in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I, I, I I don't disagree with that. Like, it, it, you're a, she has this moment where really any other film, especially any, mo- any kind of modern film, would have used the idea of her being captured um, to kind of give her uh, some bonding moments with her captors, the heroes of the movie. Um, but she doesn't like get Carter. it. Like John Carter. She doesn't get any of those. She, she just kind of escapes and we don't and then we see her again at the castle and then but by the end of the fight she's a good guy yeah yeah Yeah. like it just kind of happens like i i don't disagree with that Mm -hmm. um i also think it's very interesting not necessarily bad just interesting that the prophecy around this baby is all about how she will be the undoing of of the 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 evil morda and and like not not really um like uh that we'll never see that actual part of that prophecy come to fruition it's not it's not something it's like about her but it's not you know it's not her Mm -hmm. um it's how did you describe it that it was not clear like you looked it up what exactly happened yeah i wasn't sure when when the evil when bev morta like dies i wasn't sure what happened to her no sure i i yeah i would so Ben, what like do did you know that she completed the spell and she actually banished herself from the from the realm? Do you know that? That's, that's what that's happened? I, that's what I got figured because when she was telling okay, us she was gonna that. banish the baby to another realm, but instead she was in the wrong place at the wrong time and the spell backfires on her. I just so, I, I thought like the spell wasn't complete and then a bunch of things spill on the ground. I'm like, oh she just spilled blood, but then it yeah. transported her away. I'm like, it was very unclear to me that the spell was complete. Yeah, it was unclear to me too. Like with all the stuff falling, because oh, your ritual's now ruined, and is and she was gonna get struck by lightning and die. But then when I guess it didn't, so she's banished. So, I mean, I, I thought I, I I don't know what I thought. I thought some deity that she was praying to killed her. But that's really interesting. I had no I had no idea that that she banished. I had the I had the Wikipedia. <laughs> I wanna I wanna bring up Grayson's comment real quickly. Oh, yeah. um, Grayson says, also, if I remember correctly, older movies tend to sit on scenes a bit longer than the newer ones now. I'm usually nervous to go back and watch older movies. I love. You're right. Um, That's true. This film, this film sits on a few scenes, um, especially in the beginning. So we, this film has a few setup and payoffs. Probably the most notable being the sleight of hand with the pit with the baby mm-hmm. um, at the end there. Um, but because this film takes so long to get there, you kind of forget that that's the thing that Willow can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, uh, real quick, just because you yeah. brought up like setups and payoffs, nothing makes me angrier than the fact that like he never turns anyone to stone. Oh, oh yeah, he yeah. doesn't. He, he tries. He tries with Bad Morta, but the fact that he never used it before that bothers me because he drops one. You, yeah. yeah, he drops one on the bridge, and then that's and then it's like, oh, that's what that does. And then she, th- yeah, you're right. That's weird. Like, I was definitely waiting for like he was gonna throw it at one of the bad guys, the giant monster that he's fighting, like mm-hmm. any of these people. But yeah, they had to save the special effects for the end, I guess. No, I love that giant monster. I think that yeah. looks awesome. Oh my god! Like it's 
it, for no reason, it turns into a really gross rated R movie for five seconds. <laughs> right. The troll like molts. It yeah. turns into like a brain. I'm like, what is they going were, on? They were very happy about the Rancor from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, they, they went hard. To take that another step further. They went so hard for like one scene. Like, we're going to go so hard on this monster. Oh, you yeah, know, it does look like a Rancor. Yeah. Before we get too far away from what Grayson said, like Grayson's totally right. Like, you know, they'll sit on scenes and, and they do in this they movie linger. to an extent. That's not the problem of what we're talking about, why it's slow. So you can definitely watch like this or you can watch a lot of your older movies. It's, it's more a pacing issue than anything. Or like just was this scene necessary rather than, oh, it's sitting in the moment too long. Yeah. <laughs> editing, editing styles have gotten a lot tighter over the years. Uh, for sure. There's a lot more trimming. Um, yeah. Yeah, going back to the monster real quickly, like I, so so like, when that when that troll just like morphs into this gross ass thing and gets and then turns into this giant two headed beast, I was just admiring that 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 thing because I was like, damn that, that's awesome. Yeah. Like and we there's the 4K transfer on, on Disney Plus and that creature looks incredible in 4K. Like yeah. they they've really made that look good. It is again like I. Like I might be negative on the brownies because I think they're in the movie too much, but it is it is so impressive that they're in the movie as much as they are, and they're tiny and they're just rotoscoped. They're rotoscoped <clears> in this almost every scene. You have giant monsters, regular sized people, Willow, brownies, like so many different things happening at once. And I'm like, man, this is this is really impressive. Like it's, in terms of like what you're accomplishing, it's really impressive. It uh, is. I love stop motion. I love. I think it looks great. I think what's interesting about this having Warwick Davis. Uh, go from basically well he started uh, he was wicked in return of the jedi that was his first ever acting role and then he gets this it's really cool that he had a starring role like this in willow and i think sparks is right that there are a couple of times where it, it almost kind of feels like his movie is taken away from him and i wonder if that was perhaps like studio knows like we weren't sure we want someone what's the politically correct term to say about i think it's little people little people i think so that's that's, um, that's what i've seen a lot well, it, it, like, I wonder if that was maybe the studio saying, like, hey, you know, audiences aren't going to accept this uh, as uh, uh, Warwick Davis as a lead. So we have Val Kilmer. Uh, let's to. kind of make him more of a leading role. And Val Kilmer, like, right at this time, is the hottest he ever has been. Yeah. Like, from 84 to 99, like, 1994, he's in, like, multiple movies every single year. Like, he did Top Gun before this movie. So, like, I think Val Kilmer, like, I think I think <laughs> you're right. I don't think they, they didn't want to gamble on a... On a, on a only a little people movie which and valkyrie was great valkyrie was yeah. great i love but i also yeah. think warwick davis is really great in this too yeah. even even if that's you know like the way that they're looking at it the thing is that like there was there was a way to to incorporate val kilmer taking a lot of the action in the film but not making it feel like willow lacked the ability to affect the plot yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and i feel like that happens multiple times not only that but like that that we actively make him feel incompetent mm -hmm. um like to the point sorry i don't necessarily mean incompetent but like like incapable of the things he's supposed to be able to do to protect her um like the fact that he has to use the morph spell like three times and every time he happens to get distracted and like that's the thing that's throwing him off i guess but like also kind of implying that he's not good at it and i'm like what are we what are we doing with yeah. willow is willow is willow a talented sorcerer to be or not um, and it's just like that yeah. is not given over very clearly. They're trying at to all. tell both stories. Yeah, like he's a great wizard, but also he's not a great wizard. Right. Yeah. And, but well, like, it's not even like, oh, the potential is within him. He just hasn't mastered it yet. It just feels like he kind of has been given things he can do because people have told him, but not necessarily like 
any like the only implication we get of him having inherent gift is when he talks about having the instinct about saying his own finger yeah. earlier yeah, yeah and then outside of that like everything is like the the wand that's given to him the spell that's told to him the the blot the stone the nuts that are given to him like he's he's not given the opportunity to show what he's capable of and if he is meant to become this sorcerer yeah it's weird that we go back to the sleight of hand trick for the finale. Yeah, because then, then it doesn't involve him pulling real magic at all. Yeah, yeah, maybe he, or I, or even if he had used real magic prior to that point and then fell back on like something so simple to Vester would be like make sense. But again, like we lack all these beats of allowing Willow to stand apart for what Willow himself is capable of as a character, and it's kind of jarring for a film named after him it is true mm-hmm. and when i was watching the trailers the first time for the new series um and you know they talk about willow as this great sorcerer and he's got the staff and it looks like a great sorcerer um <laughs> i was wa- watching that and going to this and being like oh you know i i don't know why i expected him to be a bit better at magic in this movie um because you're you're right there's a bit in the end when before he runs in to save the baby but he like there's this bit where he's like oh i can't i can't fight bad morta so you go do it and so like i understand willow you're not ready like well or like you're you wouldn't you would fail anyway or something she says something really condescending that i don't think was meant to be um that i can't she's quite definitely <laughs> she's definitely like when she reaches human form she's like all right give me the wand i'm gonna go do it i'm gonna go handle it now yeah and so like to the point that i thought she was going to have a have a betrayal turn that like oh i'm actually the evil witch yeah. um because like that kept that I I just got like a bad vibe off of her, um, and apparently unintentionally because she's supposed to be the good witch. Yeah. Um. But in in when this when she like, goes in and it's like I kind of felt like oh wasn't this supposed to be Willow's triumphant stand? He does get it towards the end of the movie, but I I was surprised at the kind of condescension that came from the good witch yeah. at the end it, there. It's just yeah. really strange to me. Like if you're even if we're making like a, this is a Lucasfilm property, so it feels easy to do it. But like if you're making a direct comp to like the the Bab Morda and, and Razel being you know Obi Wan and Darth Vader, if Willow's our Luke, he's so robbed of like the ability to make active engagement with the story. He's he's not given the chance to make decisions that. Uh, affect the outcome of things very often um not as often as someone like luke is yeah it's it's one of those things where like it's not even like we have a thing where like willow is just instinctually good at picking out people and that he saw something in mint morgan that other people didn't see and that that's a decision that he made that affected the outcome of the story it's not even that he's riddled by indecisiveness yeah and inaction and to a point where i don't know what the arc is supposed to be for him in that regard i I do like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like even also, even then, like when um, Rizel gives Will the the spell book at the end of the movie, I was. I mean, yes, I like the when he comes home, he's reunited with Kaya, his wife, and his kids. I was really hoping for the master to come up to him and was like, "Now you're my apprentice. Let's get mm-hmm. you to studying magic." And yeah. even when Will does like the, the magic trick and with the bird and the bird poops on uh, Burgle Gut, which I thought was hilarious, I was like, okay. Let's get him to stay like the only way because looking at the trailers now, it's like he does become this grand wizard because you guys are right throughout the movie, he is fumbling at it, he doesn't get his true mode to shine up. I do have this potential in me, and I'm like, where is that moment where it's like you is the most power he can be the most powerful sorcerer in this land? I don't see that in this movie. I, I think my <laughs> I would have preferred 
if he ended up not being a great sorcerer and it was his sleight of hand that did save the day and that he he doesn't need to be a great sorcerer to be an important person because like now because like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too and like mm -hmm. i'd rather him have a great arc of like oh i thought i was this thing but i'm not i'm just gonna be who i am and it's just it's a it's a it's right. a, a hand magician and that's and that's the thing though like it, it again like this all speaks to some of the points we've been bringing up before that like you know it's not like having a conversation with willow is part of what changed sorcia you know, like, yeah. these things that are supposed to be, like, if Willow is supposed to be unique in his own person, regardless of, like, magic potential or not, then we didn't get enough of that either. Yeah. And so, like, it, it doesn't play to that advantage. It's just, it's just very, it's very bizarre uh, from a script perspective to have this story centered around this character who we are constantly putting in a place of, like, practically of Shinji-level indecisiveness. And <laughs> it's very jarring to watch that and and not feel like he's given the moments he's supposed to before the story is over mm -hmm. yeah. as a protagonist. Uh, ben brought up the end where he where he puts in the... where he's given the... Um, the, the spell book. book. The spell book. And I don't, I don't want that moment to pass without pointing out that I thought it was incredibly weird that behind Matt Morgan, Val Kilmer, there was just Gandalf. <laughs> and I was watching that, and there's this old man with this long beard just behind him, just... And I'm like, who are you? And where the hell did you come from? He heard there was a party. He's like, I don't want to be part of the party. And like, that's when the, that's when like the village, the, like the, uh, the good castle is like freed. And I'm just like, man, what happened what well, who are you <laughs> very return of the jedi type ending yeah um that morda's a mummy yeah she she's wearing mummy clothing <laughs> for some reason that was really funny um yeah i like if you look at something like a like you bring up luke like you bring up star wars and i'm like luke's doing stuff in that movie right like he blows up the death star like he uses the force like what if star wars happened like he didn't get the force I'm like well, that's well, a weird like, decision like, but like even then like going going like going back to what i was trying to hint at with that comp like even if you're taking like a real willow based look at that luke's decision to go get leia mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why everything's able to pull off the way that they do and escape with her um that's his instincts that's that's him like you you aren't necessarily attaching the force to that that's just luke wanting to do the right thing mm -hmm. kind of thing and the, who luke is as a person and, and the, the fact that luke is able to endear han to it is also part of luke as a person um and willow's just not given those scenes he's not given those those kind of windows he's he's so constantly like he's it's unfortunate that his character is so riddled in distrust of mint morrigan that that like i can't even attest to like part of the reason why Mint Morrigan changes as a person is because of Willow's faith in him. It's more because Mint Morrigan just finds himself endeared to the baby, and then also Willow by connotation mm -hmm. than anything else. Uh, and that also feels like it doesn't serve the purpose of fleshing out Willow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it feels like, man, it does feel like like they had a Willow script, and they're like, we need Le Willow being less of the main character. <laughs> and I'm like, it's called Willow. It's called Willow. Um... I really, I talked about how much I like Val Kilmer. Um, I really like the design of the trolls. Mm -hmm. um, the the kind of the walking on the wall effect that they had is very unnerving. Oh, that was, I, the first time it happens is awesome. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Um, I really like that effect how how it looks. Um, it looks because of the way the, the like the CGI is it, and the it looks unnatural um, in a way that you just can't replicate. Like it's it's. It, it's unnatural because it's a visual effects from 1988, but it, it, it works exceptionally well because of it. 
Well, it's because you're rotoscoping dudes just like running on a wall and then you're putting it on something else. Then it's like, it looks unnatural, but it works. It's so, it's so good. And I love it. I, I like, I cannot, I rewound it much to the annoyance of my partner um, because I wanted to see that first time again, because it's so, it's so unnerving. Like it makes your skin crawl. I really liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, thinking about just like the larger world, it feels very much like a place where there's a lot of distrust and it, it just kind of feels like a bad place everywhere that isn't the village mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. even even when we meet good characters like they're still like yeah but the world kind of sucks yeah um and you could attribute that to bad morda i guess but like it it feels <coughs> excuse me it feels like another missed opportunity to not give willow that that credit of bringing something that's like been tucked away from the, rest of the world yeah. to to spread and that um excuse me that we don't get a more fleshed out feel for how these characters uh feel about um where they live and how they're connecting to other people and all that it also feels like kind of a weird oh just a weird absence uh inside of this film it's a fantasy world where they don't really care about what's happening in the world it's more about the characters than like the overall like lord of the rings like this is the plot happening with the different like factions and armies. It's less not. It's just like no. It's about Willow and his journey and the people who interfere with that. It's it's. I wish there was more world building, but I have a feeling that the TV show is going to do so much more of that. So, well, yeah. there is the kind of feeling like this is very much. This is very much taking cues from Lord of the Rings because it's about two little people going yeah. off an adventure in the beginning, but it it quickly doesn't. It quickly doesn't become that. Um, uh, there you can definitely make the illusion of like you know, Hobbiton, very similar to the village that we see in this film. Um, that That's clearly uh, deliberate. Um, and I think that <coughs> maybe... Like, I don't know if I needed them to have more world building because I do kind of like how they kind of live in it, but you're right. It does feel weird how, like, it's just... The world is just, or is, is just horrible. There are no good pockets in it except for the one village. Well, and also that, like, we, you know, we meet this this good army of, I don't know where. Eric. Um, uh, Eric, who's amongst the good army, leading it, kind of. Um, <laughs> and none of them seem to care about the baby. None of them seem to care about this prophecy that should, in theory, be important to the people who would be of the good kingdom going against Bav Morda. So I'm, it's, it's just, it's such a weird way to handle, like, prophecy. And prophecy in terms of fantasy of defeating an evil, the fact, like, the fact that our good forces don't even seem to be aware or really completely care about it is so bizarre. Which they should know, which they should know because Bavmorda is taking all the pregnant women and taking their children and killing them. So like, it's not like people don't know what's happening. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's, um, and like, it doesn't, it's not even clear where that, where that, uh, army came from because it's not the kingdom that the baby needs to get to. Yeah. It's a different kingdom, right? So like, can, where, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't expect <clears throat> Game of Thrones, but like, I I just needed a little more because like Eric talks about how like there's this place and it got destroyed and that's, that's where we came from. Like, I that doesn't. You're just saying words. I don't know what any of it means. Yeah. Like, the, the, just give me a little bit more about like who whose side is everyone on? They're just I'm saying like magical. I think they're just saying like random names, or they just like put something into a name generator and they just pluck that out. It's like. But, well, no, I want. I do want to. I do want to defend that a little bit because there are films that do a very similar thing, 
very well. Like they're like you you want to throw out a silly name and say that I'm from Borkeltork and I'm going oh, yeah. to fight the hell yeah into it love it great. Yeah. I don't need more. I don't need more. But there is a sense that this film it's doing it. it, There's kind of a, there's kind of an art to it. It's kind of weird to say there's kind of an art to doing something like that. And subtle about it. And, but does not enough. And that, that artwork, that, that, that art doesn't really come off with 1980s Ron Howard and George Lucas. Um, Like there is a way that they could have done the exact same dialogue better or being better written probably, but like, but there, there, it doesn't do it as well. as films that do it better is what i'm basically saying because yeah. there are, it's the same thing but there are films that have done it much better just look at star wars just look at another lucasfilm originals movie we are we're introduced to the bad guys we're introduced to the good guys we know our stakes immediately they don't need to go into any more than that you just see how these are the bad people he's like they they just it's 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 a messy film this is a very messy I, movie. again like it you know Star Wars as a comparison, like everybody, everybody knows the importance of the rebellion. Like all our characters clearly know the importance of the rebellion and the importance of the empire in the film. That's very clear. It's not clear how these characters associate with what is good against Bav Morda in the world or, or the fact that like, again, like that there's a prophesized baby and they don't acknowledge or care about it is so bizarre. Just a weird take. It's just a weird take for there are, prophecy. There are shit. monsters hunting this baby at all times, but no one else seems to know that there's <clears> probably <throat> a prophecy around. Um. Anyway, I feel like I've been I've been a little bit negative, so I want to spotlight that. I think all the performances are really good. Mm-hmm. I think all the performances are very, very good. I really like them, especially for their time. I think that they're doing a great job. Um. I I think it's a, a very endearing like family fantasy film, and I Absolutely. and I appreciate that a lot. Um, oh, can we talk about the 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 elf lady in the woods who's like. I'm superimposed on the screen and she's like going crazy i, I feel it. like they were trying very hard to capture galadriel uh, galadriel from the books yes yeah. like the the same uh presence of her before peter jackson would create that kind of visual for how to do that and so their way of doing that was make her slowly zooming in bigger um <laughs> and and uh it didn't totally work <laughs> i thought it was hilarious i i i don't say it's good but i thought it was funny it was funny i really like the costume design yeah yeah i i think the humor in this film is also really good i i was laughing a lot um yes i, I agree i think the humor can be very good there are there are some truly really funny moments especially with Vol kilmer um there's the bit in the when they like the the two-headed monster that i love comes out of the yes. out of the ocean yes. and val kilmer with the evil army runs out with them and they're all just kind of like oh we all saw that right <laughs> so yeah like, and, and he's they're just slowly like, looking at each other. Realization. Oh shit! I'm on the wrong yeah. side. That, that all that all works very well. I think that's that's one uh, of the better jokes of the whole film. The um, chariot chase, I really like. I thought that was a lot of fun. I did too, especially like I think that's where the rotoscoping becomes like some of the most impressive. I think for the brownies is in yeah. that chariot chase scene. Oh yeah. Um, I also really like the humor with with Mint Morgan, who might be our bi king, maybe. Um, oh yeah, him and Eric's cross-dressing moment, and him clearly being in love with Eric at the same time that he's in love with Swarsha. Oh, he definitely. <coughs> there's there's a scene between him and Eric, and I'm like, y'all Eric, gonna kiss? <laughs> Eric just can't quit him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really liked Eric. I was happy to see him come back in the end. I was like, yeah, Eric. Me too. When when Eric when Eric was downed, I really wanted him to like reach up to Mint Morgan for a kiss. Um, <laughs> I I really wanted it. 
but obviously it was 1988. That was never going to happen. Yeah. Oh, um, the pit, the 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 army turning into pigs. Is oh yeah, horrifying! Oh my god, so super good, good. super good I, effects. I love, I love that. It's simple editing. It's simple cuts coming, cutting between different stages of. Oh, there's one dude that's just half pig, and you can see like the top of him like moving. I'm like, oh man, this is this is grotesque. That's a dude who's like really half cool. buried underground, and then there's a pig <laughs> legs. It's that was awesome. It's the, great the makeup. The when you see Val Kilmer with like the snout and the tusks, it's like there's like some really good um, makeup prosthetics going on. I have, I have, I have a slight, slight. I, I take slight issue with that scene though. The brownies are normal sized baby pigs, and I think they should have been really tiny pigs. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been baby pigs. <laughs> uh, point. The, the moment when we see like Val Kilmer turn in full pig face, I was like, and that children is how orcs were born. <laughs> there yeah. were elves once although i will say like when the when eric came in when he was riding in to help the fight in the, in the castle i'm like the i was like the ride of the rohirrim the, yeah I, uh, I it. the uh uh the all the like the the wit the 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 sorcerer like turning everyone back and then the, all the ambush of the horses and the the was really cool um like, like seeing the horses come out of those out of those like ditches I wonder how long those horses were laying down like that. Right. <laughs> those are some nimble well, horses. Some of them some of them just run out of holes in the ground and some of them are laying down. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it's yeah. not consistent. It's cool. It's like a Trojan horse, right? Yeah. Uh yeah, I thought the I thought that was really cool. Uh, I, I also I also really like the sword fight between <laughs> the, the evil guy with the skull face and, and Kale. Kale, yeah. Yeah, he's got a yeah, he's he's a totally fine, like <laughs> evil bad guy, but like his sword fight at the end is good because like you think he's dead and he comes back and he falls on his own sword. Uh, some cool swords. Some, yeah, yeah. Matt Morgan has like a sword attached to his armor. Yeah, that's, that's right. like a, a rapier, but it's a handheld. Like that's very. Cool. Oh, and yeah. like uh, Sorsha and the other guys have like serrated <laughs> blades. Yeah, yeah. that's um, Ben. That's straight up just a bloodborne katana. She has oh, yeah, a, totally. like uh, the swordfish one. Yeah, it's great. Oh no, there was like there's like a. It's not a sword, but it's a, a dagger that this one guy had where it had edges in it. It was serrated. Where it wasn't meant to like stab and cut flesh, but it was supposed to catch other weapons, and t- he twist the handle, and the sword would snap. Yeah. So it's like that's the type of weapon you don't want to fight against because it's like you get your sword caught in that snap, but the serrated edges of the some of the weapons, especially Sorcerer's Blade, I thought there's some really cool looking swords here. I really like 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 I said earlier, the costume design. I really love um, the armor that Mad Mordigan gets or Mad Mordigan wears, like right behind Ryan. I really enjoy that armor. Oh yeah, the um, Gondorian armor. Even yeah, and even the um, Kale's armor. It looks like someone out of Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Whereas like this is an evil knight you fight out of Dark Souls, and I I'm I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to shout out James Horner's score, which I think is really great. I really like the theme song to Willow. Um, the the it plays a few times during the movie. I could have done with a few more because I liked it so much, but it's. It plays in a really great way in the trailer, and I always liked it. I always liked it in the trailer for the sequel series, and so I was like, I, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I like how they do it. But having the context of seeing it within its when its source movie, and then going to the trailer and seeing, I was like, oh, that's good. So James really Horner, like 
Yes, I, I also, besides Willow's theme, I also really enjoy uh, the use of the, you know, the bad guy da, da, music, da, da, which is also in... The Mask of Zorro. And also, also in... Enemy of the Gates. Yeah. He's used oh, the yeah. same theme multiple times, <laughs> but the thing is, it's such a banger. Da, 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 da. I'll, hear, I'll hear it in every movie. Yeah, I, I love James Horner. He's, you know, he's one of the composers I dearly miss because he passed away a couple years ago. Um, I really liked his Avatar score, and I... I, I I don't know who they got to score the next movie, but good luck. Um, <laughs> he has some great Star Trek scores. That 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 theme that you talked about, the one from from Mask of Zorro, this and um, Enemy at the Gates. Enemy at the Gates is also in Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. He just it can't is. help himself. He just can't help it. And I really, I really like it. Um, I I like him in general. There's a there, there's a another Wrath of Khan cue that I. I noticed in this uh, that I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I I really like the music. I loved Willow's theme song. So um, the guy who took over, his name's Simon Franklin. He mm. worked on basically everything with James Horner. He worked on Avatar. He worked on Titanic. Yeah. He worked on Amazing Spider-Man. So he's just taking over for him, which is which is really cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all right. Yeah, I uh, I really like. I'm gonna look up her name. Is it Torsha? Yeah, because I forget her name. Saoirse Ronan. I'll find it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's person? Uh, person Smith. No. First name dot last name. Um, Joanne, Joanne Wally. Uh, I really like her. Um, one of the things that, that I know her from most prominently is The Man Who Knew Too Little. Um, she's the main female in that film um which is a bill murray comedy that i really really like she's also in the singing detective which is another film i really like with robert Downey jr um she's very talented uh i wish that this film had allowed her to flex a little bit more luckily she's capable of but she's in the show heck yeah so um i won't worry about that so much yeah i had mistakenly placed christian slater and val kilmer i switched them so mm. I thought when I heard Christian Slater was coming was going to be in the new show, I was like, "Oh, they got Val Kilmer back for some reason." Um, that was, that's exciting, but no, it's Christian Slater in the new show. Yeah, he is, he's Kilmer he's reportedly back. playing a friend of Mads, so like he he's going to be a type of character like he is, but he's not replacing him, which I think is the best like, the best thing you can do. Yeah, and yeah. I think that the that if the show continues and uh, uh, Val Kilmer continues to recover, um, he could possibly show up in a later season. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, watching the trailer was really cool because like you see all the people the way they brought back like the face that comes up the screen is Bab Mor is Bab Morgan. And I was like, Oh, that's I would never have caught that. That's cool. I, I was I was shocked <coughs> to see just how many people are returning. Uh yeah. and I'm like, Oh, this is this is kinda nice. Like forty Kevin years Pollock. later and like yeah, all these people are still around. Kevin Pollock, God, it was so interesting. Like this has to have been one of his first things. And like I know him so much from like like drama and comedy stuff uh that's like not this so like to see like this is one of his first things being like a little brownie person i'm like that's so fun acting is weird sometimes <laughs> uh he's he's back in the new one that's really cool yeah um we don't know any of the kids names but i'd bet dollars to donuts uh aaron aaron kellerman is a uh, playing someone's kid Maybe. someone we know from this movie mm, how many more people are left what sorsha well y- well no, that's she. The the uh, oh okay. Uh well, Sorsha's kid. 
That's true. I don't. I don't think they're gonna bring in another kid because they're already gonna look for the the princess's brother. I don't think they're gonna bring in another sibling. Uh, I mean, anybody could be related. to Anybody, but I, I, the, the, I noticed it because Sorsha, you know, her red hair is, her hair's red, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Or, uh, her red, red, or reddish. Her red hair is very, is very, is very big. Aaron Kellerman, known for that kind of, yeah, big red hair. Sure. I would not be surprised if she was related. I just, yeah, I kind of agree with Ryan. I, I, that'd be weird if like we're we're featuring her daughter prominently saying that she's looking for her brother and not acknowledging that the other one is also a sibling mm. in the trailers, but it could be, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, do we want to rate it? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. You go for it. I'm sorry. No one wants to say anything. So I'll give mm. it a seven. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's good, but there are some, there are some problems with it, of course. But once again, it's definitely one of those movies that if you were on the boat growing up with it, it's definitely up in the higher echelon of films that you might have enjoyed a whole lot more. Um, as an adult, it's a little hard to go to, but still very enjoyable. I just wish they trimmed the fat a little bit. If if I look at every other big 80s fantasy movie like like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal, like Willow is the bottom of the list probably for me. Um, yeah. Which is not to say it's a bad movie, but like mm-hmm. I think of the other big fantasy movies that I'm like, oh, it's not as good as those movies. To be perfectly um, honest, if there was like an if I was given an option of Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, or Willow, I pick Labyrinth first every single time. No, I'm I'm on the same with you. The 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 power of voodoo, voodoo, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it seven point five. Okay. Seventy five. Um. Yeah, I think I think that the, that I'm very pleased to be revisiting it at a point where i know there's a television show with warwick davis coming back because for the warwick davis movie this felt like a little bit of a disservice to the character uh seeing it as an adult and Mm -hmm. i wish that there was something more present for his character here i'm very excited for the show because i think it's going to give me a lot of things that i found lacking in this film um and I think that the film works very well for its family fantasy film from 1988 but um there are definitely some some blind spots there. Um, I still think the performances are very good. The the you know the the feels are the feels, and mm-hmm. that's that's what really matters, I think, in a film like this one. Um, so with all that, I would give it a seven. I'm really excited for that show. Um, I was before I watched the movie. I thought it looked really great. <clears throat> I like the idea of returning to uh, franchises. I've always liked the idea of going to you know what happens after happily ever after that kind of trope um that we're seeing a lot of in this decade uh or the prior decade in this one um i'm happy with it because i i um i think it's really cool that we're asking the question okay what happened after what happened next um and i'm really i really like warwick davis and i'm happy to see him get the show that said that's about the show though I really like this movie. I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, I really like the cast. I really like the cast. I really like Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer in this movie. I was very, very pleased. I've never seen this before. I was so on board. Uh, I thought I really liked the production design. Loved the music. Um, yeah, it's an eight point five for me. Hell yeah. Um, shall we book club? Book it, Dano. Going, who's Dano? 
You've been saying okay. that past few weeks. Book of Dano is is from a cop show. It's like put a, lock him up, Dano. Book him up, Dano. Well, Ben, why don't you take it away? I most certainly will. So my book club this week is Riri Williams Ironheart Volume Run, written written blah, written 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 by Eve L. Ewing. Question: Any relation to Al Ewing at all? Not at all. Okay then. Uh, drawn by Luciano Vecchio. Vecchio. It's spelled V E C C H I O. So. Okay. And you did you do the best. You do your best. Yeah. And then uh what? <laughs> Giafo. I swear to God, that's how who did the layouts. And yeah. uh, Matt Miller, color artist. So um obviously Ruby Williams is gonna be a big part of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And I've never read Riri Williams' book in my entire life. And I wanted to dive into something and to explore this character and Thankfully, I have Marvel Limited, so we have a bunch of cool stuff. This isn't her first appearance, of course, but I must say, I love her now. I am now a Riri Williams convert. This is a um, volume one. It has like a great, um, being as a first-time reader who first read this arc, um, this is a great story. It's not an origin story, but this is her after she's done some superheroing. So I would say this is year two or two and a half in her career. Hi, Ryan Eliopoulos from the Fake Nerd Podcast. Yes, so Riri Williams was introduced in Bendis' Iron Man, and she became the lead character of that book for about two years before getting her own ongoing series. Okay, cool. I did not know that. I probably should And before should've. this series, she was in The Champions. Yes. Yeah, because right. they, they mentioned... this is not her first ongoing. This, this, no, this no, this is her first. This There's another one came out after it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But either, either way... I am now can say I am a Riri Williams convert. I love, absolutely love her. I love her story. I love how her as a character. Um, I love her mom a whole lot. And yeah, so what do you guys think about this book? I'll just go first because uh, I'm, I'm, I've been here with Riri literally since day one because I was reading Iron Man. Uh, actually, Ben, what's happening is you're slowly just becoming an Iron Man fan because I got you to read the Doctor Doom Iron Man book, and now you're reading the Lady Iron Man book. Next, you're just going to read Iron Man. I'm just going to um, read Iron Man at this point. Um, Bendis created Riri Williams, um, and I'll be honest. I think I think his his version of Riri is pretty good, but I think it really helps when you have a black queer writer write a black queer character, uh, as opposed to a fifty five year old white man. Who Bendis, God bless him, he does his best. Like he is a champion for diversity, but sometimes he writes teenagers, and I want to scream. Um, so having Eve Ewing, uh, uh, who was once a teenage black girl uh, who lives in Chicago, she is a doctor in Chicago. I love it. I love e-viewing, e just so you know. Uh, I think this book's incredible. I think it's a great character piece. I love how small scale it is. Uh, Riri Williams as a character really shines in this book specifically because, like, Bendis didn't really go into, like, what it is to be a loner teenager in the way that, like, someone who might have experienced it uh, uh, wrote, writes. Um, and I think it's a, more than anything, this is an exceptional look at at some a young person becoming a superhero. Mm -hmm. I love sure. it. I would reiterate everything Ryan said. Um, so like I could, I could say it in other words, uh, but it's it's the same sentiment. I think this is an excellent uh, six issue pick. I'm very glad that you chose it. Um, I think that this gives a really nice story about Riri. You get a full picture of of who she is and what she's doing, and and I really love the way that they incorporate um, her avoidance of her own trauma and what's going on and trying to bury herself in different things um, and her aversion from other people 
as a, a major aspect of what they're doing with the story. And I think it's it makes her stand apart from a lot of our other teen heroes. She's uh, very, it's the very they go relatable. Telling that. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon. Oh, sorry. You froze for a second. On my end. Um, I really like this. I thought this was really good. Um, I never read <laughs> anything from Riri. I didn't read her champions. I didn't, I wasn't reading Invincible Iron Man. Um, so this was my first time reading anything with her in it. I've read Evaluing before. I really like her. Um, I I really liked how, I really like what the kind of like, um, no, that's not might sound problematic. I really like the personality that she gave Riri. Like I really I I, I thought Riri was a lot of fun, very relatable, um, believably a sixteen year old girl or however old she's supposed to be. Like I you're you're right, Ryan. Like one of the things that I really uh, you know bendis champion of diversity great but he can't write teenagers anymore he it, he's so far beyond them that when he writes teenagers he did a lot of dc introduced a bunch of teenage characters in dc and they all sound like 55 year old men or teenagers mm-hmm. from when we were kids not teenage but believable teenagers nowadays mm-hmm. um and so like kind of seeing riri being taken by someone who's a lot closer to that age uh really beneficial for this character it makes her feel real real in a way that a lot of other teenage superheroes probably wouldn't um and i really appreciated about that book and i, I really connected with riri because of that like because it felt like a, such a real character yeah uh i think i think the opening pages they 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 leave such a strong impression just from the opening where it's my father dead before i was born my stepdad who raised me shot and killed natalie who was my best friend my only friend shot and killed what do i deserve to live why do i deserve to fly that is such a powerful message like how why do i get to live why like i'm a superhero who's like why who said i could be the superhero like i don't deserve this and it's like of course you do riri you're such a great person you don't don't realize that you're so you're so caught up in the things you think you might have done or things you think you could have stopped like, that's why she wants to be a peer of Chicago, because Chicago, in real life, is one of the most crime-ridden states, or, or Chicago, crime-ridden cities in the United States. And she just wants to, she just wants to help. Uh, and there's so many just white dudes who won't let her. Uh, I just, I, her at MIT is so great. I just think, I think Eve Ewing has such a grasp of this character from the get-go. Um, and it, it bums me out that she only got to write 12 issues. Um, yeah. But, man, like... The, the stuff like with the supervillain and the ten rings, all this stuff's so fun. Like she like next I mean, this is completely like next arc, but she goes to Wakanda next arc. Like Riri's this is like the best Riri content. Uh there is there is more stuff that's come out <coughs> since then. But um I just think like the leaning into the trauma that she's that she went through. She's Punisher. She has the same origin as the Punisher, y'all. She her 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 family was killed in a drive-by. Uh but instead of leaning into the darkness, like she kind of just like Oh, I'm actually just really sad. I don't want to hang out with anyone because like they'll let me down or I'll let them down. I'm like, oh man, being a teenager is so hard. I'm so sorry, Riri. Um, uh, the 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 sixth issue uh, is a standalone issue of Miles Morales uh, that I really, 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 really liked. I had a really good really time cool. with that story. Me too. Where are you, Miles? I miss him. I'm trying to. Oh, now I could. Sorry, I'm well, trying to. Let me let me while you're doing that, I'll I'll write another say another one of my notes, which is that I think the artwork is really good, and I, it makes the it makes the Ironheart suit look incredible. I I like the Ironheart suit fine enough. It, the first time I, I saw it was on this cover for the solicitations when it was first announced. I didn't love it. I didn't think the it it looked quite 
I, I didn't really like the aesthetic of it, but the artwork in the interior artwork makes that suit shine. That mm-hmm. it, like I love the interior artwork for um I know it's a, a different artist for the sixth issue, but it's I it, love the interior art in this book. It's they're great. Oh, yeah. The, uh, art, um, um, the artwork in this is phenomenal. I absolutely love how the suit looks. I love how when her suit gets put on with um it's like a slow it's not now technology, but I guess it kind of is. I do. I really enjoy the design of the suit, and even when she's in that dream sequence with a uh, midnight fi- with midnight's fire, yeah. And you see her in her ten ring style suit with the extra yeah. added wings mm. and everything. I'm like, nope. I know it's supposed to be her as an evil suit, but I'm like at the same time, I'm like I want her in that suit. That looks really cool. There's a reason I, evil yeah. suits look so good. <laughs> I really like that suit too. When I saw that, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I uh, Midnight Fire is a cool villain. Midnight Fire is awesome. Uh, uh, I'll get to him in one second, but like. I think one of my favorite scenes is when she is at a bodega and it's getting robbed, uh, and she and she has a she has a PTSD flashback to when her family was killed, mm-hmm. and she literally freezes as she's getting shot to almost death, mm-hmm. and like that is like to have have your teenager go through this in a superhero comic is like not something that happens very often. Nope. And like that is that is just really powerful. And like she's like, oh, I'm fine. I got to run my by. And like she could have died there. Like her Iron Man suit is not like Tony Stark's Iron Man. And the I also the love how. Art- the art and the paneling of that sequence in particular is is really really good. I've got it here. Right? Yeah, her eyes, uh, her eyes go mad, and like the, mm-hmm. the little face, like it's it's and it's it's so beautiful. You have yeah. so many moments that are like that where they're doing just an excellent job of uh, blending in so much emotional imagery, especially for uh, a a black character. Yeah, um, to have things like that mixed in is really really mm-hmm. good. Uh, side note, I also love how she creates her Natalie, her best friend, as an AI. And also I love how she creates a acronym out of her name. That yeah, is very cute. I really like the AI reveal because it was, you know, the the way she was able, the reason why she was able to do it, which is kind of this nut she couldn't crack for a while because it, it's not her specialty. Um, she's talking to her friend and she's relaxing because it you know, starts with cosplay. I love the Star Trek call out um, mm-hmm. for Jordy the Forge um the uh and so like we get like this kind of montage paneling of different conversations that they're having at that night and that like you know she's cleaning up her she you can tell because in the paneling you can tell she's she's cleaning it absentmindedly yeah the that, bit where they're listening to the song together oh yeah really really good love it and 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 so like that was kind of the 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 thing she needed because she's been burning the candle at both ends um by the time this book starts like she that was the thing that she needed to create the AI and she subconsciously created, recreated her best friend. Uh, I thought yeah. that was actually so, a really sweet moment. This is, this is not a negative because it's just, it's not in the book. I don't think it's going to be negative, but Bendis did uh, uh, put some notion that Natalie, they had feelings for each other. And there's not mm-hmm. really any of that in that book that she's queer. Uh, again, that's not a negative. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not said in the book, but having previous knowledge I know, I know you viewing as a black queer writer probably wanted to have that in the book, but it's very much Natalie was my best friend and they never say anything more than that. And then she's hooking, she's hanging out with like a guy and that's totally fine. Uh, I just wish Bendis' stuff could have been forwarded a little bit more instead of her just hooking up with a dude. Cause like this, cause like she, she didn't just lose her best friend. She lost like, she lost like uh, the love of her life that she didn't realize was the love of her life. And that's, that's from the Bendis stuff though. So like, if they just want to like pretend that doesn't happen, I, I accept that that's fine. That's maybe a Marvel thing more than an Eve thing. Right. But it was a bit of a bummer that, like, my best friend, that's all we were. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of regression. But that's you okay. do, yeah. but you do 
get the the implication that this was really important to her. Like if, if like it's like because what what I think is really is really great about like the beginning stuff that you started that you read out uh, Ryan in the beginning is like we understand just how impactful and important those two figures were in her life. Even if she's using words like stepfather or best friend, it's clearly like those mean far more to her uh, than they do, than they could to the audience reading this. And, and I think that comes up, comes across, it comes across exceptionally well so that you still understand that there was a deep love there whether they're pushing away from it being romantic or not, it, it's still it's still a love, and I think that still comes across. And I, I really I really appreciated the writing there because of that. Yeah, I do agree with that. Like they didn't they didn't negate how important Natalie was to her. Yeah. Um. I just didn't I, like it's it's not queer erasure. That's not what I'm saying. It is. It's just mm -hmm. like I would like it would have been nice if they just further along the thing. Ben Ben was doing. Yeah. Ben yeah, was. No, like um. Midnight Fire is really cool. I love the Ten Rings stuff. Uh, um. I love that it's like we just want to we just want to amass a bunch of weapons because that's what we do and like hey Riri you're like I'm the Rachel Ghoul to your Batman do you want to you're the heir to the Empire. This Ooh. is another just sweet page. Oh yeah, Midnight Focus Fire. Focus on Midnight's Fire. Midnight mm -hmm. Fire uh, does a Johnny Cage move where he does a kick and it's like he does, it's like the flashes of Johnny Cage and I'm like that's a Mortal Kombat move. She plays Mortal Kombat. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. I think I like it's a really the, fun, cool antagonist. I like the uh, the origin story that he tells like. In order to tell you why I'm here, I need to tell you who I am. In order to do that, I got to tell you who my father was. And I was like, yeah, okay, buddy. Very operatic, 100%. <laughs> very, yeah. very, like, all right, Shakespeare, let's go. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just so many beautiful. Oh, <laughs> when he comes to her house and he's like, may I enter? He's like, what are you, a vampire? Just come in. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Um, I really like the panel page. I, again, just spotlighting some good art where she PTSD flashes back to Thanos. Yeah, that's, right. Civil, that's Civil War II. Um, from uh, Midnight's Fire doing it. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I think we that, again, Riri's emotions, like uh, the soon after that, her debate with Natalie about her saying, like, she's going to get herself killed and she has to make Natalie deactivate. She's like, I just need some alone space. And uh, her interiority and her emotionality are both really, really well covered in this uh, six-issue series. I also really, really like um, when we get to the end and the cops show up for and Midnight's Fire has left the vault and they're like, all right, well, we're going to arrest you. And it's like, and you know that they know that she's black. And so like that is at least playing on some level of the context here. And she's like, yeah, I got it video recorded. And they're like, yep, uh, yep, well, yep. all right, well, we're probably not going to file a report because I mean, like, that sounds like that's asshole. too much busy work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think we can all agree that the, the biggest benefit that this book has because it says boo boo the fool. I am boo boo the fool. Yeah, that's that's great. The, the uh, mom yeah. says it, and I saw it immediately. I was like, "Oh, we did it, guys! We're it. in the pop culture." I'm kidding. <laughs> I uh, I love that it ends uh, uh, with like Riri having like her own little base, and then just like a bunch of kids who hang out there that are like, mm -hmm. "All right, I'm gonna help you. Stay off the street, but you, like come here when you need to, but don't stay here all the time." Oh, I love oh, I love the relationship between like the the MIT like donors and trustees and like when she's trying to show them cool stuff and then they're like oh, lame, oh lame. okay and she's like and here's a pulsar blaster and they're like Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, like how she how she had to bring away has got the children home yeah 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 Good oh yeah the the story the story centered around like helping out these kids i thought was really cool especially that like some of them who need a place to go she creates a place for them to go i think is really cool absolutely yeah yeah uh sleazy politician second i saw him on screen i'm like oh he's a bad guy Obviously, I, just look. I at saw it. him. I was like, I saw him. I was like, oh, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I I just I love I love yeah just Riri goes back to MIT and every every day there's like a new group of people who are like trying to like benefit off of her. She's mm-hmm. like, maybe this isn't worth it. I can just go back to my garage and build building scraps in a cave. Yeah, I like the progression of like her mom is the one to say is like you know you need something that's yours, like because the space in MIT isn't isn't hers. Like he she needs something mm-hmm. to build on her own and and having that having that like. Oh, I'm gonna make this lab for myself. This is gonna be my space. No one can mm-hmm. touch it. Was really was a really good through line, and and I I, I like that. I like the, uh, the quick little, I real, oh good. Not the quick little scene where she's like, "Where why aren't you, where her mom shows up?" She's like, "Why aren't you in school?" She's like, "Well, Natalie is." And it cut and it flash cuts to Natalie. It's like, "Aren't you gonna take notes?" I am taking notes, and you better mind your own business. Can you imagine being a professor in the Marvel universe and just looking up and being like, oh, it's a hologram today. I got to imagine with like how crazy space and time and science is like, you're, you can't be teaching the exact same stuff, right? You got to have a little more extra knowledge, right? You're teaching about multiverses and shit. Uh, I love the moment between her and her mom when she's talking about, um, about her stepdad. Uh, and she's like, mom, you said stepdad, but he was the only father I ever knew. He was my father. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's important. Because like step parents are important. They're like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was the father who stepped up, you know, like that thing. Like that's that having divorce is important and like showing that like step step parents are important while not seeming like a big deal is actually a big deal. Because like you know, oftentimes the step parents can also just be like, can be like the shitheads, right? And like, oh, you're not my dad. Like, no, like he he was her dad. Uh, mm-hmm. Love it so much. Beautiful emotion in in this comic book. Can't wait for Wakanda Forever. Oh my God! And there's a TV show. Oh, just some like some magical stuff in this. So like Riri dealing with the hood. I'm like, all right, like yeah, I guess all right, all right, Mephisto. Um, what was I wanted? Oh, the final issue with Miles. Um, I love a good time warp, a good like time loop story. Um, and having like if she she like enters the time loop. Um, and she go, like goes back in time because in this time loop it's January 18th all the time. Um, yeah. I like the story of like Miles being like, I'm not ready to come back, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we can keep in touch. It's like, uh, we need you to text us because like you can't just disappear on the face of the earth again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. You can hang out here, but like, I also like that the guy, back. the guy was studying him specifically because he's an interdimensional, like small level interdimensional entity. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, these people have insurance, right? Yeah, you blew a hole in the door, but insurance who's gonna pay for that? Insurance that's not how insurance works. Uh, yeah, I, I did, I did notice that. I thought I, I was surprised that it wasn't kind of dived into more. I mean, obviously, probably a different book for that, but like the, the idea that this person is really only looking at Miles because he's from the ultimate universe. Um, I like that that's kind of continued on as like, no, 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 Miles is a refugee from a different universe, he's still. That is is. A- that is a cool, cool thing to go. I mean, I think we're probably so many years past that now, but like that would have been cool, like a post Secret Wars book of like, what's up with these refugees? How come I could tell and you guys can't? Like, like Jessica Jones was, was doing stuff like that, which is fun. Um, yeah, Jessica Jones did something like that, and um, uh, Spider Man Two did something. Oh no, yeah, they brought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, the Ultimate Universe like came back. It's yeah. Ultimate Universe is back now, by the way. Like it's been happening in the Miles Morales book like for for like a year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame that her, his, he doesn't actually have a book right now. One's coming. It's just kind of a shame that there's a, been such a long gap. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Riri, you got a you got a great book here. Let me tell you. And after mm-hmm. this movie, um, I I just feel like the the 
that's the great thing about the MCU is like characters that don't have comics at the time, um, when when those movies or TV shows come out, they get a big bump regardless of like how big or small the character is. And I, if Riri is gonna like hit as hard as I think she is in this movie, we're about to get a big wave of more Riri books. And I'm like, oh, thank God, thank the Lord, I love her so good. Uh, yeah, I really can't wait for that show. I'm really excited yeah. for Black Panther. We're kind of forever, obviously, but. Yeah. I really can't wait for that show. I think that she has a really cool armor design, which we've seen kind of kind of uh, behind the scenes uh, photos of. But yeah, I'm excited. I really like Hell this yeah. book. Thank Hell you yeah, for picking it, Ben. Yeah. I literally, this is another time where I just picked a book, a shot in the dark. And when I texted you guys, like, hey, this is the book club for this week. When Ryan was like, yeah, yeah, man, I was like, oh my God, I did something good. Okay. Well, yeah, because like it's timely for the for the next topic and it's just a great book. And like, I love you guys reading characters you don't know anything about because like every character that has value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of timely, Ryan, it's your book club next week. Do you know? Yeah, next week is Wonder Woman one through. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't call him General or King, they call him Goku Klon, the Feather Serpent God. But before he was the Feather Serpent God, he was just Namor McKenzie. We are going to read Submariner Revolution from 2007. This is post-Civil War. This is a six-issue arc about Namor dealing with the ramifications of Civil War. Boy, howdy, I read this book last night. And issue four, I was like, this is a pretty good book. Issue five, it turned into a great book. So Submariner Revolution. Um, it's written by a bunch of people. Submariner 2007, you'll find it. Great book. Can't wait to reread it. All right. So that'll do it. Uh, stay tuned for that. And next week... Um, I don't know, guys. There's really nothing coming out next week. Yeah, let's let's talk about weird. We do Willow again. Is that what we review it? Is that you it? Got it. The initial, oh, the initiative. Real quick, guys. The initiative. Oh, this is my favorite time during Marvel. After Civil War, there was the fifty state initiative where every single state had a superpowered team sponsored by the government. So there was books happening about the most obscure bullshit characters you can imagine. There was Avengers Academy, which had hundreds of teenagers being trained by Taskmaster. I miss the old days. <laughs> Uh, anyway, next week will be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wow, we're here, guys. Can't believe it. Uh, what's Todd? Is it Wakanda Forever? Please don't do that. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> um, cool, guys. Check that out. Of course, like this video and subscribe to our channel. You can check hey, out all. Oh, because you did Wakanda Forever. Uh, another fun tidbit I didn't ever think about or notice uh, when I watched the 2020 thing is that uh, the Wakanda Forever salute is purposefully left under right. Left under right. At all times. Left under right. Wait. wait. Your left. Wait. Your left. Under your right. Oh. They all do it that way. It is consistent on purpose. Bing bong. Man, today's going to be one of those days where I'm going to think I should lock myself out of my office. Can't tell which way is right or left. <laughs> Did I tell you about that, Ryan? No. I think I talked to Sparks after it happened. I walked out of my office, and my office doesn't lock, by the way, but there's child locks on it. So I walked out of my office, and I was really high that night. Um, I walked out of my office, and I closed the door, and I turned on the child lock to make sure that the cat couldn't get in. And I had this moment where I was, I cannot stress enough, I was in the hallway. I had this moment where I looked at myself, and I said, did I just lock myself in the office? (laughs) (laughs) No gummies will get you. (laughs) I shit you not. I was there for two minutes thinking. I didn't, right? I'm in the hallway, right? Oh, that's good. That's, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my God. 
that's that story now online for the world to hear. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of shows, such as Fake Nerds Watch. The only ongoing Fake Nerds Watch series right now is Star Wars Andor. We might have some more before the end of the year. Who knows? We'll see. We will. Uh, yeah. Uh, Basement Arcade is our Let's Play series. You know, we do some video games there. Go check that out. That's Basement Arcade. And Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series where we talk about video games. Yeah, newest episode has been recorded. It's ready to go. Um, it's about I'm talking with Dying G Retro of the Gamers Week podcast, and we just do a recap of PRGE Portland Retro Gaming Expo because we were both there. Oh yeah, very cool. I saw a friend, one of my friends from high school, from elementary school, was there, and uh, we recently reconnected. And I saw that she was there. And I was like, oh shit, my friend's there. Go should I go find him. And I described you, and she's like, that that describes everyone. Like that's fair. <laughs> white guy with a beard. White guy with a beard. <laughs> Literally said that. It's like yeah, uh, tall, big yeah. white guy with a with a goatee. Is like that doesn't narrow it down. You should have that's texted. Everyone. You should have asked me what hat I was wearing. That might have helped. Yeah. Uh, Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station are also shows you can check out on this channel. Uh, real quickly, Grayson. Hello, sir. Or should I say goodbye, sir? Thanks so much for the show. Have a great week. You too, Bye, Grayson. Sir. Enjoy Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um, you can check out, of course, our Patreon, our T Public. If you like to support us financially, we like to do a lot of things on this channel. It's a lot easier if you want to support us financially. We love you guys. We love your support. But hey, if you want to support us financially, check out those links in the description. Get a cool shirt. Subscribe to the Patreon. Links below, or you could check out all the links everywhere on our website at fakenerpodcast.com. That's everywhere. That's our landing page. You can find every link imaginable on that site. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to everyone who watches the replay. We greatly appreciate all of your support. We love you guys. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, who did all the music for here tonight. All the music for all of our shows. We love that. We love that, man. He's cool. He's a cool dude. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time. Because his band, The Wreck of Time, or Wreck of Time, has been doing some music videos. And they got a new album out. Check it out. Wreck of Time. From Sand Part 2. Check out his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, uh, on iTunes, of course, or or Suburban Proctologist Official on Facebook or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, wonderful human being. We love that gentleman so much. He did a couple of logos for us, and he's done a couple of collaborations with us. Uh, hopefully, more in the future, near future. Uh, you can find him on Instagram and TikTok at Mike Matola. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, Twitter, uh, you know, Fake Nerd Podcast. We're still there. We're on Twitter still. <laughs> We are there. The uh, we uh, we uh, should, uh, we're not paying eight dollars. Um, fake nerd podcast on all the social medias, fake nerd guys at gmail.com. If you like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for old school. Nope, that's you. You're an old school gamer magazine. Who the hell I'm am I? <laughs> I, I write at Screen Rant where I do lists and I'm tired of it. Help me do more by checking out my Atomic Geekdom stuff. I work really hard on those, and I love writing those. And I want to do more of those. Check those out. There's links description for some new for some new pieces and kaijuramedia.com. I also wrote for kaijuramedia.com this week. You did? I forgot about that. I wrote about the new movie. Check those out, Ben. 
You can find me thoroughly enjoying not going to work this week at BenMag27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And you can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gamer Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Once again, my newest GoNintendo.com piece is coming out tomorrow. And check out all our socials because I will be tagging, I'll be like posting there as well. So, yeah. Sparks. Uh, you can find me morphing into a sugar glider at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan. James MacArthur was most recognized for his role as Detective Danny Dana Williams on Hawaii Five-0, which aired from 1968 to 1980. The lead character uh, often would use his popular catchphrase, book him, Dano, at DJ Tony Snark 616. Interesting. All right, guys, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, stay fake, nerds.